0: money. It comes with a lot of questions, and Fidelity can help you get answers. Visit fidelity.com slash blackwealth to learn more. Uh, All
1: right, guys. guys. Let's go. What's yes, the deal? Ski?
0: The best day of the week. Monday. <laughs> yes. Monday, Yo, We are in cotton. We are not wearing silk today. Yes, for sure. sure. That is a change. <laughs> sure, We have
1: switched up the fabrics. Tube, what's going on? Where else would you rather be on a Monday night absolutely market mondays yeah yeah um here last is it the last Last monday in the month believe so here for yeah Yeah, it's giving that's fast it's giving wealth pretty fast um big facts (laughs) a lot a lot to talk (laughs) about today um so i'm not gonna waste any time because i know you guys hate the long drawn out uh intros i do read comments but it's so entertaining though (laughs) <laughs> That's just, yeah, just, sit, just sit back and enjoy man it's necessary <laughs> um, so just quick rundown um, this week big big episode for us Ian you was actually at the tail end of this uh, Lorenz Tate oh yeah yes <laughs> childhood memories all of them man yeah. going out loony like old dog man yeah Shout out oh, to dog. Lorenz Tate is a legend in the game um, he still looks like he's 25 years old councilman though He's aging backwards, but, um, it was a dope conversation, you know, to see somebody that we grew up on damn near 30 years ago a whole lives, yeah. and it's still relevant to today. And it's a very interesting story because he talked about like the struggles of being an actor as far as like, you know, there's, there's a lot of down periods and how the financial literacy is extremely important. The union, mm-hmm. um, you know how he's transitioned to become a director behind the camera, working yeah. with his family. He was yeah. a childhood star, actually. This is true. He was yeah. in uh <laughs>
0: he was in an uh, extra in the Twilight Zone.
1: Yeah, he was he
0: really? Yeah, yeah, in the eighties, like I think like eighty seven or something like so that. So he
1: talked about wow. that how to handle his, how he handled his money from that real how, estate. Yeah,
0: how he got paid because most people don't even realize how actors are getting paid and how they have to take some roles and build up their catalog before they can demand a certain amount, like that's a whole process in itself. And if you miss that moment, the like the ramifications of that, like it's a whole, like Hollywood is a business. And it's so a,
1: It's a very interesting story. Yeah. Um, Dope, dope gentleman met him. And he's a big fan of what we have going on. So it was a dope conversation to have. And of course, you know, he's in power now. So to go from minute to society and then 26 years later, now you're in power um, speaks to the longevity that he has. And yeah, he, he really touched on a lot of different topics. So that's a, a, a you know, those are always good for me personally, because these are childhood memories that I've had. So whenever we get to actually connect with people that we actually grew up on, it's always, it's always dope. Um, yeah. so that's one of the ones that comes out tomorrow, eight o'clock
2: and the masterclass and work in the room too. him and his team, super yeah. professional yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all of the moment. Like it's those little things when I came yep. and I was like, dang, that's old dog. But like mm-hmm. the way he was like, he greeted everybody. They say yeah. like Obama does it. They make you feel like you're the only person in the room. Yeah.
0: Well he, he put that down. He, he's sad. from the shot, man. So, similar to, to the Midwest. You know, shout out to the Midwest. And uh again, like you said, the longevity, the play. He went from old dog. We we saw him in Dead Presidents. We saw him in Inkwell. We saw him uh love in Love Don't Close a Thing. Yeah. And we saw him in Love Jones. I I mean, we'll talk he talks about that in, in some depth, but and now as councilman tape, man. So it's, it's a good one. Make sure y'all got your popcorn. That's one of them ones. Yeah, I can't man. wait to see this one.
1: Market Mondays is heading cross pond. Yes. We are going to London. Monsoon Reach. Get your tickets. This is this is one of those ones, man. Anytime that we go to London, it's it's a it's a monumental moment. We're two for two right now. Yeah, going Tate, for the three p. The first time was the networking event at Tate, that was legendary. Three thousand people outside of the club. Never seen anything like that ever. That's what they told us. Um Came back and sold out the prestigious, world famous Royal Albert Hall. That was an amazing situation across the board. So this time is just Market Mondays. Yeah, it's a more intimate. A lot of people were saying Invest Fest. They didn't get in and get a chance to finish. Um. They were like yo it's too much
2: theatrics (laughs) (laughs) travel's in the mood yo london get right to the info so
1: so yeah so we're gonna get right to the so we're coming back we're gonna be (laughs) talking we're gonna bring some some local people on we're gonna be talking about real estate in london um and i met a few americans this weekend and they were saying that they were thinking about going out there it's during the summertime. Mm -hmm. it's a great time to visit london from a Beautiful tourist city. from a tourist standpoint, yep. all Americans, you should definitely try to find a way to get out there because if you've never been to London, you're doing yourself a disservice. It's a great, great city. You Beautiful have a great city. time. You know, it's it's the perfect time to go in June. Um, and it's vibes. I think uh Scissor has a concert out there the night before we perform. Um so it's true, it's a lot going on. So Check us out. Go to the website yes. right now. Get your tickets. Peacock Theater. That's what we're pulling up Go at. Go to right? earnyourlegia.com. Get your tickets. And um, and we'll see you there.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'll start ones. working on the presentation this weekend. So we're going to finish. And there's a guarantee. 100% chance you're going to finish your presentation.
2: I th- <laughs> a thousand percent. So I'll be going over like my personal 10-step formula for where to get into the market. Um, Top 10 trading lessons that you must master if you want to be consistently profitable. Yeah. the top seven sites to research a stock and the five most important indicators to um use when investing or trading and i will 100 percent get the, the entire
0: presentation
2: and i'll be doing a cash ship away
0: mm-hmm. so i just, think know. that that's one of the, the best parts about doing the international cities is that we get to like even when we did in toronto it was like yo here's the sites you should be using here are some brokerages you should be using and then when we did our debtor alive it was like here are the stocks that are dead alive in yes stocks exactly where you're at so it won't even be a u.s based thing it'll be tailored specifically for the uk Mm -hmm. so make sure y'all pull up peacock Theater, june 18th market mondays is going to shut it down
1: never the same show twice never the same show twice all right uh troy you want to do some yeah
0: man do your own research shout out to everybody that pulled up on us this weekend and every time we walk outside and tell us about the research that they're doing continue to do so All right, so our content is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. It's very important that you do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take our information and advice um, and use it with a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find on the show and wish to rely upon, whether for the purpose of investment decision or otherwise. People continue to do the research, and when you find it from somebody else, Give credit to the person you found it from, but continue to share when it's good, man. That only builds the community. That's what we're here for. Love is love. This is a message brought to you by the good fellas at Ernie Lee Jane the good <laughs> and Dunlap, the master investor himself.
1: Love is love, <laughs> Ian. Any housekeeper? Yes, family? housekeeper. Thank you for the care package. Oh, oh,
0: no, I, don't I, even have, I don't even I got I got, it, I, got, it, I, got it. I don't even have mine yet. I that's, got it. I got it upstairs. That's exclusive. That's new. That's yeah, the new that just dropped. Shout yeah, out it. shout out to the team. Very little Yeah. So so thank you for the
2: care package. Stock club call will be on Wednesday of this week and uh, how can we forget get your tickets to Invest Fest. And clearly everything got leaked. Diddy, Robert Smith. Let's go through the list of who's going to be there real quick. Speaking of
1: right. Speak well, <laughs> All right, we could do that cuz I was going to wait till You going to wait? there is a business lesson in there so gotcha. let's, do this. let's 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 do a couple topics and then your hooks are we'll, great we'll, man. we'll talk about it <laughs> so um, all right so Elon Musk yes Tesla's stock fell more than ten percent after it missed earnings he he lost a lot of money I don't know how much money he lost but it was a record I think it was like another record amount of money that was lost mm-hmm. Something crazy um so Tesla stock is down long story short Tesla' stock was down last week um, what are three mistakes the brand is currently making, and what can they do to improve the company to make the stock trend higher? And Tesla was one of those stocks that, during the pandemic, was everybody's favorite. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it went up crazy during the pandemic, like crazy. A lot of people made a lot of money just buying the stock. A lot of people made made money on options. Yeah. But now it's down. It's it's fifty two week high was thirty three hundred and thirty six dollars. Is around $160 now. A couple of splits. Um, So what's the deal with Tesla?
2: The number one, um, and as business owners, I think we can all relate to this. Uh, You have to stop cutting prices. So if you were bought a Tesla two years ago and it was at 45,000, and now it's being priced at 23,000 or 30,000, not only is it going to cut into your margin, but it's going to upset your uh, customer base that bought at a higher price. So usually, even though people don't like to pay a higher price for a business, it does extend or widen their profit margins. Um, number two, I think they need another visionary there not to replace Elon, but because of SpaceX, uh, the AI project that he's launching now and all the other ventures he has going on, I think he's spread a little bit too thin. And I think you need like a he needs a Tim Cook or a Johnny Ive in this corner. Not that they don't have great leadership there, but they I don't think they'd have a visionary that is akin to him that can lead a new product cycle um or newer innovations there to make sure not only are the products great, but the margins actually match up to where they need to be. And three, I think they need a new product. I posted it a couple of weeks ago. Wow. Uh, about electronic bike, <laughs> they need a different product because I think, like to me, Tesla's like the this era's version of like a Mercedes in the 1990s or, or 1980s. I think they need one more product in another field. And I know they have the electronic vehicle truck, but I don't think on the consumer side, people have been like incredibly excited about a drop for Tesla. I think that would help them uh, dramatically to bring the price of the stock back up and the margins be a lot better as well
0: and i will you took my number three i'll say that but let's go back to number one because the word mistake i'm not sure if we should use it okay here's why you're supposed to say tell me more tell me more (laughs) (laughs) please tell me more well well elon he clearly stated that they're going for the higher value play over the higher margin play Right, and so when you think about higher value, that means that I want to put more product out in the street. Short term, they're going to lose money, right, because they're dropping prices. But what does a country look like in five to ten years when everything has to be EV and eighty percent of the vehicles are yours? Right, I think there's a long term play that we're missing when we when we try when we think a mistake in the short term gains of it. Yeah. Because if he's trying to have a larger fleet, yeah, I'm going to drop the prices. And so if you look at the Model 3 is down 11%, the Model Y is down 20%. When you drop those prices, more people can buy. But there's another part that gets like, it got to cut, it got passed over. Mm-hmm. The tax incentives for having EVs have gone down. And so if I had the same That's price true. and the tax incentives, they're actually going to be paying more. And so if you think it in that terms, yeah, I'll lower the price because I know that the incentives are not at the same as they were before. And so it kind of offsets itself. But I think he's going for the let's take over countries because right now he's dominated the U.S. But now the next market is like, let's go dominate China. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you look at the percentage of EVs in America right now, 63, it's not even 63 percent of EVs are Tesla's. Yeah. You know what the next closest company is? Oh, Ford or GM? GM, seven percent yeah that's domination complete yeah. domination so i i think rather than a mistake i think we got to look at it from a long-term lens here and say like oh this is it they're just trying to have <clears throat> more fleet on the streets but i think that you're right i think that the next thing that's is- a bar go ahead sit again <laughs> More <laughs> fleets on the street. so i can put more product out on the street yeah. but i think you're right i think when you start lowering prices you start preparing people to pay less for things. And so when I start training people to do that, I think the next thing is like now introducing to a product that is a lot less than what, you know, the, the car is. And so maybe it's a bike or maybe it's a, a lesser uh, priced car, right? So when you think of cars, you think, when I thought of this, I'm like, let, let's look at t- Toyota, right? Like the Camry is their staple car. Yeah. And most people buy that it was the most popular car for years, that and the Honda Accord, but then they had the Corolla right which was the, the the cheaper base model of of toyota and then they had their high-end luxury which would be lexus and so if you start looking at in terms of that like it could be the bike or it could be a more affordable even more affordable car so i think that's why you kind of play with the prices to see what people are willing to do before you introduce a new product
2: i'm actually this does anybody ever aspire to drive
0: a camry or a corolla though no no, no, no! you don't have to ask. You think I worked this hard? What do you think I have to work this hard for? To push fucking rad the raffle? That's true. People, no, no, I'm not saying people aspire to it, but yeah. when it comes to affordability and getting A to B, if you look at the sales of the most sold cars in America, it's probably a Honda Accord or it's probably a Toyota Camry. But the margins in those businesses are so, th-
2: and I get he wants scale, but if you look at Apple, like when they had the, the old Mac, max with the colored backs right so like we had the orange back the thing that made the ipod mainstream was the ipod so i don't know what product they can create that would get that kind of scale but they do need another product that brings them to the ecosystem that makes them want to upgrade to that but if you whenever a brand has become like mainstream or not deemed as luxury like take coach from i don't know in the early 2000s was the same perceived to be like somewhat of a luxury now nowhere near close i think if you start to play with those prices too much and make people pay less somebody is going to have a higher price model or man if, if uh bentley or rolls royce come out with an electronic version or they put out an electronic virgil Maybach, it may be tough for a couple of years for elon so i get the strategy what he's trying to do mm-hmm. but but i think every time the companies have tried to like Get that scale based on price alone it tears the margins up but ultimately hurts the business especially
0: when you're in a recession yeah. even if those companies do it how many people can afford that that level of, of luxury right like so uh, again he if he if, well, that, if he's that, in china that's true well there's more there's more there's more billionaires here but even if he does that right like even if that does happen then the scale model it makes even more sense right like because if they're putting in a high-end luxury I still have this affordability that most people can get. Mm.
1: So are you optimistic or pessimistic about Tesla stock?
2: It's a great question. I'm optimistic about it. Um, I like it if it gets to like 107 to like 109, as a buy. I'm a long-term holder of Tesla. Um, I am looking forward to seeing, even though they had a somewhat successful uh, launch of SpaceX. Um, I am excited to see when he gets like fully focused back on Tesla as like his main uh, idea or business that he's focusing on. But I do like Tesla. It is going to slide down some, but.
1: Um, well, that, that's that, that's another thing, too. It's like a lot of people think that, you know, he's stretching himself too thin because, of course, he's got Twitter um, and X. Yes. And SpaceX. Um, so and a whole
2: litany of kids.
1: Yeah, and like twelve, twelve kids. Um, so you know, that that could potentially cause a strain on the company as well if the leader yeah. is not fully focused on on the job at hand. Yeah. So, are you optimistic on Tesla stock? Yeah. I mean, I think that Tesla. I mean they they've become synonymous with with EVs. Um, so I think that they have the the head start in the race. Um, just because you have the head start doesn't mean that you always win. It, it gives you a it gives you a better chance of winning. Yeah. Um. So I think that you know when you look at the the EV space, they're gonna have a lot more competition in the next decade than they had in the last decade. But mm-hmm. everybody's gonna be having an electric car. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even Apple. So, mm-hmm. um, you know it, it's gonna be a lot harder because they're gonna have more competition in the space. Mm-hmm. But they have done a great job of you know building their brand building out infrastructure and building, um, trust amongst customers. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's, that's helpful. Um, but yeah, I think we have to see what's next for them. You know, is it, is it a plane? Is it the railroad system? Is it, you know, more electric solar, solar power, which they already in the solar power industry now, Um, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how they how they diversify. I don't think their stock will rise as much as it did during the pandemic, though yeah. I think it now' it's just actually, slower is yeah. the regular it's a regular stock you know it's still a good company, but you know it's not going to go up a thousand percent in two years.
0: yeah, and it may be, i mean I think we, we all agree here i'm I'm optimistic as well, but one of the things when you read the reports, it was saying that they want to go from hardware, which would be kind of like the vehicles to becoming somewhat of a software company as well. And so maybe we're looking at when we're talking about products we might be looking at it the wrong way maybe it's not a hardware a product that they put out it's, it's some type of software so i'm optimistic with it there are some analysts who are saying that it will go up to 1500 um, I, so, will <laughs> but, I will hold uh, my commentary i will leave i will leave their names anonymous but uh I, I mean there's some reports that say that so
1: we'll see we shall see all right let's go to this um Thanks for holding your account. Brian Armstrong, so let's talk about a little crypto, shall we? So Brian Armstrong, who uh, Coinbase, yes, um, stated Coinbase may expand. He's the CEO of Coinbase, right? Yep. Yes. He said that Coinbase may expand overseas. Um, so he has overseas vision, right? Right now, I think the majority of, are they only operating in America? There is a I so. version. I oh, believe it, so, it yeah. May, like, that's the biggest market for them? Yeah. So now they have plans because I believe that Binance is still the biggest brokerage overseas.
0: Yeah, in the world. Money, it comes with a lot of questions. How do I save? Where should I invest? Can I build wealth to pass on? It's hard to know where to get the answers. That's why the people at Fidelity do what they do. They make it easier for you to get information to make better money decisions. They've got articles and videos, tips and apps, and insights and perspectives that can make planning, saving, and investing less stressful. And when you want to talk it through, there's a real person on the other end with real answers. Helping people is what they do. And as a part of their $250 million Invest in My Education initiative, Fidelity is supporting eligible students from underserved communities in the Boston, Dallas-Fort Worth, and Raleigh-Durham areas by combining scholarships with ongoing assistance, mentorship, and better paths to post-graduation employment. Want to learn more? Visit fidelity.com
1: slash blackwealth. Oh, so are crypto brokerages dead in America? I think so. Um, now
2: is not the time to say, I told you, I remember we did the episode of Miami and everyone shot, he was like, yo, do this post like that. And the internet went crazy. Like, yo, he doesn't know. I kept saying then.
1: <laughs> he does not <it> though. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and here we are. Politicians don't, I told you like, this is an act of war against the Federal Reserve and the United States government to make your own currency. Um, and if they were not going to control it, they were going to find a way to push it out and to see Brian be that frustrated, which he's normally like level-headed. Um, I think Coinbase is a good company. I think he's a good CEO, but I think they're up against competition and the regulatory bodies that you cannot defeat. And when Gary Gensler is not a huge fan Neither is the Federal Reserve. You have the Fed now. iteration that they're putting out. They're basically telling you like, hey, you have to get down or lay down. Like if we don't own parts of it, you are not going to just run amok and then let everyone come buy crypto. Also, I mean, in addition to, I was reading a report where for, I think for years, two years, uh, him and a few other CEOs were asking, are the coins on on our exchange uh, securities or not? And if they are deemed securities, take them off they never gave them an answer (laughs) now they want to find them so brian is like the only thing i can do is go operate offshore so i can run the business how i should and not be in potential danger so i think for a few years um until the fed makes their own i do think uh crypto brokerages are going to be dead in america for a while because they won't allow them to operate freely Like, imagine if, like, if you made a new media company, immediately it was, like, an 80% tax on it. What would be, like, you would have to divert into another industry. They're basically telling them, like, if you do not cooperate with our institutions,
0: we're going to run into the ground. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that was it. The regulatory reasons is why. I don't even know if they have the vision. I think this is just, like this is what we have to do if we want to make money, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we can't get money here, we have to figure out where we're going to go. So they said that the company's focusing on a few countries, number one, Brazil, Singapore, and Canada. Those are the three countries that they're looking at, but they also said they're doubling down on Europe. Mm-hmm. The issue is this, and you mentioned it, Binance is the number one exchange in the world. And so if you're going into a world scale, how are you competing? What are you going to be doing mm-hmm. that's an incentive for people not to use Binance as an American company? Yeah. So one of the things that Binance stopped doing recently was to, they waived the fee for trading. Is Coinbase willing to do that from an international standpoint, right? Because that's where a lot of money is made. Well, this, when I looked at that, I'm like, All right, well, how would they make money if they, they, they waive the fee? Well, there's rumors now that they're going to do derivative trading on Coinbase. Mm. Now there's options and futures that you can trade, you know. And when we looked at Robin Hood's business model, they figured, like, wait, if it's free, how are they making money? Well, they're trading derivatives, they're raising premiums. That's how they're making their money. Mm. Is Coinbase prepared to do that? I don't know. But you have to have a competitive advantage if you're gonna challenge this the liar. Behemoth, yeah. <laughs> right. In in the in the crypto space. You're going into a, uh, you have to have something. And, and I'm sure people are not going to walk in and say, hey, this American company, yes, come to this country and let's give them incentives to be here. So it's going to be a challenge. It's, it's a tough spot. And when we think about the United States, I mean, yeah, you have Coinbase, but who's number two? What's the number two exchange? Who's number, like, who are the, the top five exchanges for crypto? Yeah. Right, there's, I don't think there's a consistent one, right? Like some people would probably say Gemini and, did, you know, there's a few others but i'm like ftx was one that people would have said three years ago absolutely so
2: ftx i mean it's a great lesson that if the regulatory body does not like the business that you're in and you shouldn't put money there because that's an enemy that you can't defeat like
1: so. you can't win it's like drago you can't win <laughs> you can't win I think Coinbase definitely, I don't think that Coinbase is dead per se, but I think that they definitely have issues. The whole crypto space has issues yeah. as far as with regulation, security. Um, and that's going to take um, government, that's going to take government intervention to really make this a mainstream wide tradable thing on American soil, at least and probably internationally as well. And I think that that's, that's going to take some time, but um, Coinbase, once again, I think that they have the advantage of being a market leader, going back to Tesla. They, um, they've they carved out a tremendous head start in America, and that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily count them out yet. I think that they still have a lot of work to do, and they have a lot of uh, uphill battles to fight. But at some point, crypto exchanges it will be like a Fidelity. It will be like a TD. And TD and Fidelity probably will have crypto on them. Yeah. Um, okay. So then what does that do to a point base? Right? Well, I think that they're, they're going back to Tesla, yeah. right? At some point, there's going to be massive amounts of Hondas. There's going to be massive amounts of every other Infinities. But does that just does that kill Tesla? Probably not. They still, they're still a niche company. Tesla's a niche company, right? They're, they're not making all kinds of, they're not making pickup trucks stuff like that. They're, they're very yeah. niche. Yeah, but I think
0: the biggest difference there is that the government is actually trying to incentivize people going that route, whereas in this space, they're putting regulatory things in in place for them not to exist. Not make, really making they, it even they, more they difficult. They
1: just announced, they just announced the Fed coin. So the, the... that's
0: what I'm saying. So they have yeah, their own the federal reserve. Owns right. It, if, if I have my own now, I. Close you
1: into a space where you're not even needed. But no, the, here's why I don't agree with that. Okay. because the that's a, a a centralized stable coin. Um, so in order for cryptocurrency, even, even even for a stable coin to work, there has to be Bitcoin. There has to be Ethereum, right? Because mm-hmm. there's no, it, there would be no space without those those coins. So in in order for the stable coin to work, there has to be other cryptocurrencies. So it's in it's in the government's best interest for the cryptocurrency space to be safe and to actually thrive. Because the more that is looked at as legitimate by the average American in middle America, mm-hmm. the more it's looked at as something that is here to stay by the average American in middle America, mm-hmm. then they feel more comfortable buying the Fed coin. Yeah, but
0: i'm right but so the whole space is reliant upon bitcoin success right but do you need coinbase right in the middle right if finance if is there right and they have the u.s Binance, if that is there and they have even if you don't trade right on this exchange they still have a coin where you can use as currency inside of it uh, okay. there is is Coinbase necessary.
1: Yes. Uh, America's always going to favor American companies, especially when it comes to finance. Mm-hmm. Binance is a company that's based out of Hong Kong. Right, Hong Kong is another one of those countries. Nobody's talking about Hong Kong. Hong Kong is kind of similar. I've been to Hong Kong before. Hong Kong similar to Taiwan, where it's kind of a gray area. It kind of belongs to China, kind of independent. So if I, I'm pretty sure that American politicians would rather... Mm-hmm. An American company than a Chinese company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pick your poison. You know, just is,
2: is there um any value in Batman without the Joker being present in the streets of Gotham? So if I can create chaos and destroy the perception of crypto, then I can come in as the Dark Knight, the Bank's Federal Reserve, and pr- provide some safety. We talked about it last year, like this is a planned destruction especially during a recession, the best time to vilify any product or any personal brand around investing is when a recession is happening and everyone's losing their money. So I think it was um, a well-played strategy. I also want everyone tonight to go do your homework about what country mines the most Bitcoin. I'm not going to get off this point. It is not here in the United States of America.
1: It's China, right? Russia?
2: China number two.
1: Okay, so well,
2: my boy been doing this whole work and putting up silk, <laughs> <laughs>
0: God, the, fabrics. Uh, the fabrics. I mean, five to ten years. Do do we see? Do we see brokerages? Do we see Morgan Stanley? Do we see Fidelity having their own exchange inside of the broker? Absolutely. Of I think they're right. a, they're a moving. They're point. trying to do it right. So they're that's why I said now. Now that when they just are squeezing the window even more. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Coinbase is acquired. My apologies, Troy.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they get... Like, if I was Elon, I think the market cap of Coinbase may be like $12 billion. Let me work real quick. Um, of course, and then once Apple starts to get in that space, um, it's going to be really tough. But yeah, their market cap right now is $12.6 billion. Uh I know Elon wants to create a derivatives, trade everything company as he should because he's upset with OpenAI because he kind of got pushed out of that project and his influence. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes a shot at it or if they get swallowed up. Pause from my New hey, York New Jersey. Yo. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yo. <laughs>
0: hey, yo. <laughs> Mike, look this up. Hey, can, can we put flag emojis? In All flag emojis in here. Oh wow. Charles Barkley has entered the building. The the, the children are listening. Charles
2: Barkley, time out. (laughs) Let me get a 20. Let me run to the boy like Kenny. And as soon as I said, I was like, hold on,
1: wait. (laughs) Charles
2: Schwab may acquire Coinbase at some
1: point. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, man. all right, we will monitor the situation. So that's funny. I, I want to talk about Apple because they have something that's interesting. But before that, like I said, I do want to talk about InvestFest because there's a business lesson here. And I feel like um there's valuable information. What camera are we looking at? In this. You need it? You need it? Well, we can if you're yes. interested. If I'm inclined. Um. So, yes. So let me just quickly go down this this lane. I can't go every. Everybody's name, God sorry, because it's too many names, but shout out to everybody. We have uh Justin Phillips, we got Brandon Rule, we got Ronnie Brown, we got Corey from Support Black Colleges. our friend Caleb Silver, um, Selena Hill, Jamel King, um, man, uh The God Show, uh Jamal Bowman, Congressman Jamal Bowman, by the way. Um, of course, we have the legend Derry Angie Martinez, we have Joy Taylor, we have Don Peebles the third. That's the son who's running the operations right now. John Hope Bryant, Mike Rasheed, John Sally, Jermaine Dupree. Uh, ja Rule, legendary performance. Really? Ja Rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ja Rule karaoke. That's, that's my favorite uh, karaoke. Uh, Matthew Garland, Junior Bridgman. Bang. He's on his way to become a billionaire, if you don't know his story. Ray Lewis, my brother Terrence J. Michael Novogratz, he's a billionaire, guys. Um, Check. Jada Chavez, Chet, Chief, Chief, Chavez, sorry, Ari Fletcher, the legendary Ari Fletcher, Ian Dunlap, of all people. I may have heard of him. You may have heard of him, yeah, of all you people. It, Perhaps Steve Stout, the commissioner, <laughs> the commissioner, Rich Paul. Uh, <laughs> Y'all in for one. That's <laughs> a hell of a lineup. Now nah, you in for a treat. 19 keys, earn your leisure, will be in the building. Jesus. Hey, motivation. on the I bottom of the map, in the show with legendary performance. Hot Cheetos will be in the building. Of course, the big dog Steve Harvey is back. Um, but here's the interesting. Here, here's the interesting. So the two headliners, um, Sean Combs, Diddy, and Rob and Robert Smith. So I just want to talk about the power of relationships and really, because you know I, I talk about this relationship thing a lot. So Diddy, here's the story with Diddy. Diddy icon in the game Mm -hmm. a billionaire resume goes for itself right he doesn't really talk a lot if you've noticed he hasn't really done a lot of and most of his interviews are mostly like the breakfast club where he's promoting an album or like he hasn't really i've never seen him do a sit down conversation about business and there's been a lot of questions about business Mm -hmm. so it's like this is something that he knows it has to happen yeah. And we've been kind of communicating for a while about what with, with the best time to make this happen. But I want to tell the story about how this happened because it's very important. So we've been trying to link with Diddy for a long time. Um, a lot of mutual friends, of course, our Revolt family, tried to get him for Invest Fest last year, didn't work out. Um, and we finally met him. We finally met him last year, Art Bob's a weekend. We went to his house, spent a couple hours with him and just chopped it up. And he gave me his number. And he said, if you have any issue with revolt, anything, like, hit me personally. And I text him the next day, like, yo, thanks for hospitality. And that was in December. And I, I, didn't, I didn't say anything to him ever again until four months later. And then I just woke up randomly. I said, you know what? Diddy needs to be at InvestFest. Sent him a message. Sent him a video. I said, we need you there. 20,000 people, Atlanta. It's for the culture. It's needed. Mm. He hit me right back within 30 seconds. So I'm in start working with the team. The reason why I'm telling you this story is because I didn't abuse. I didn't abuse the privilege to have his number. Mm. I didn't abuse it. Right. (laughs) I didn't abuse it. It's It's a good lesson. I didn't, I didn't say, Hey, I need, I need reservations at Carbone.
0: Giving you my number.
1: Who, biggie, say, who better, Biggie or Tupac? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say, "Hey, bro, like, can we play basketball? Can I, mm. can I go on your yacht?" No, no. <laughs> what, what, I waited. What club we at tonight? I waited. <laughs> I waited for it to make sense. I waited for a value add proposition because InvestFest is a value add to him as well. It's a legacy for him, mm. right? It's an opportunity for him to speak. And to clear up any any issues that people may have of him and to give information yeah. and to share information and to really chronicle his journey of 30 years and how he started as a paper boy and became a billionaire, right? And and he saw the value in that. Yeah. But it's like when you meet people, know when to ask for something. Because sometimes you only get one. Request. It's like it's like a, it's like a genie. Yeah. Sometimes you only get one. It may not happen again. Like, you know what I'm yeah. saying. And if you blow that one, now it's over.
0: Yeah. Great. This. this I, can you do something? Can you do something? What's that? I want you to talk about the energy because it came in as three voice notes. I I want. i want, Yeah. I.
2: You... I, I, I want to blow. Hold <laughs> on. Yeah, yeah. Hold on.
0: Hold on. I want to paint this picture. I'm gonna go back to his, 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 the solo. So we were in the hotel. Our rooms were across from each other. And you're like, "Yo, come to my room right Right now! Right now! You got to come." He just left a message. I said, "All right, cool." I, I want to paint this picture because it was three voice notes. I want you to talk about the energy that he had when he was speaking about the importance of this. Well, movie.
1: it's just a real moment for me because if anybody chronicles us, like when we did the MSG show, we came out to hate me now yeah. and had the minx on, and and that was inspired by Nas and Diddy. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I was like, I call Diddy Black Caesar because like that's what he embodies. So you know, just Like I said, a couple of years ago, we was just watching people on TV. Mm -hmm. Now it's like a personal number and he sent me voice notes. Like it's just kind of a surreal situation sometimes. So it was just crazy that he responded so quickly and he responded in detail. (laughs) It was like a three minute note, a two minute note, a one minute note. And he pretty much was saying that, you know, he, he was like, yo, I'm a billionaire, bro. It's not about that. I need to get a message across to make other people successful. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm at a point in my life now where God has chosen me to reach other people. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not about me making the most money and me becoming, you know, a 10 times billionaire. When you become a billionaire, I mean, you already won. Like, yo, (laughs) I want to do this. I want to do it in the most impactful way possible. I don't even want to make it about me. I really want to make the message of like this is now or never. And he mm-hmm. talked about the he talked about the wealth gap. He's breaking down the, the stats to me or on voice note. He's saying how With like passion though, yeah, not for yeah. sure. He's talking about how you know it's one percent of the wealth, and we had one percent of the wealth when we just came out of you know chattel slavery, and ne- nothing's really changed. Mm-hmm. And he's like breaking down the information as far as you know how how much money advertisers go to black companies and how there's a lack of, of black, you know, infrastructure and in the media and da, 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 like this, like, obviously he's a very intelligent person. Mm-hmm. I think people kind of get it confused. Cause you know, you might see him as a, as a personality and he's dancing and he's having a good time and he's, but he's actually very informed mm-hmm. and he's having this conversation with me over voice note. And it's just like a surreal moment. Cause I'm like, yo, we about to interview Diddy. <laughs> Investment just started three years ago and yeah. you know, on the third year it's like we got a, a conversation with Diddy and then Robert Smith yeah the richest, <laughs> like, he's the richest black person in American history somebody that's worth eight billion dollars like you know yeah. to have the opportunity to come to an event with all black people in mm-hmm. Atlanta like who who does that like it has never been done yeah yeah the
2: same
0: day? Yeah, that's, when you told me, I was like, Shh. Bro, he ended the the note with, yo, the time is now. Time mm-hmm. is now. And as fate would have it, the message expired.
2: <laughs> that's what made me so excited about it, was his level. of. I think it's a great lesson there. you guys can touch on, too. It's like to reach for the people at the top. Because it's Same when, like, when we was trying to get Floyd, there was another gentleman we were trying to get for Madison Square. He didn't want to do it. Shout out to you. I love you dearly. Love you. Flo- <laughs> well, Floyd's team was like, bad. <laughs> cool. So imagine like people who are way higher, they reply a lot faster, give a clear answer. But his enthusiasm behind being excited about like closing that wealth gap, and you were playing me that voice that wounds to LA. I was like, damn, he like, he's really tapped in, has done this research and wants to give more information, which I thought was absolutely incredible. So that's why I was so
1: excited. You said something that was very insightful. And that's one of the last things I'll say about this. You said something that was very insightful just now, where you said, and this is so true. And this is on every level. And yeah. It's like, we were trying to get in touch with Diddy for over two and a half years. And these are good people. Like, it's no disrespect to like, these are really good people. They had great intentions. The people at Revolt, the people at Syrah, the people at Deleon, the people at Combs Enterprises. Mm-hmm. Like these are people that know him personally. And we, we send him messages to them to get to him. And it it never had. It's so difficult. Booking agents, it's so difficult to get to him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's extremely difficult. Met him in person. It's extremely easy. Easy. Like, I've had multiple conversations with him after that. Now, like, like, now it's like I could just hit him. He could hit me. Like, you'd be surprised how he, the hard the part is getting to the person. Yeah. This this goes back to why exposure is so important. I put a post up when I we was in the fight, and we'll talk about that, like, at the end of the show, but met a lot of people at the fight. But it's like, this is why you have to find a way to get close to the people that you want to connect with. And it doesn't, it's not always an A-list celebrity. It could be your local real estate agent. It Mm -hmm. could be, you know, a real estate mogul, somebody that's in stock, somebody that works on wall street, somebody that's in construction. You got to find a way to get close. And that's why these events are so powerful because it's like the odds of you not meeting somebody is almost impossible. If if you're in a, if you're in a room with 20,000 people, how, how do you not meet somebody of value? That's almost sure. impossible, right? From um, a state. Especially 20,000 people yeah. that pay, that's there in the summer to learn about business and financial literacy. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not like you at Freaknik. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> this, this is something. <laughs> I'm just saying.
2: Freaknik stays this year or next?
1: <laughs> <laughs> a lot of valuable people were at Freaknik. Uh, so it's like, not, <laughs> now that's so crazy, yeah. though. Like, it, and that's crazy how life works. Like, it's easy to get once you once you get to that point. Now it becomes so much easier. The hard part is to get in the room. But once you're yeah. in the room, now it's like, oh, Rich Paul, what's up? Hey, oh, that's Lebron the right there. Like, hey Ben Harwith. Hey. How you
0: doing? <laughs> I, it's the same thing we always say, man. It's 16, not the right place. It's not yeah. the right place at the right time. It's the right place all of the time. <laughs> this is why you see us everywhere all of the time. Because there's always something happening by mistake. We were sitting next to people. It was just like, oh, you do this. Oh, wait, hey, I have this gold refinery. I want to talk to you guys about it. Yeah, interesting. Let's set up a call. Hey, I, I have this semiconductor company. I want to talk to you about it. Interesting. Let's set up. just by walking around. Yeah. Uh, let alone the the people you, who you saw at the fight. There are millionaires and billionaires that are just sitting in the crowd, and you have no idea who they are. Who they are? That's, that's why you have to be in the right place all the time.
1: So yeah. I just want to say before we finish, um, I want to thank, I definitely want to thank everybody that that's on the bill, every single person. Um, but I definitely want to thank Diddy and and Robert Smith because, um, let's just be honest, they don't have to do it and they're, they're doing it. And Mm -hmm. that's something that, like I said, to have the richest black, there's only this, here's the crazy thing about it. There's only 10 black billionaires in America. Yep four of them have have been or will be at invest fest from don peoples to tyler perry to diddy to robert smith and we have the richest black person in american history and don and robert smith is the third i think the third or the second richest black person in the world Mm -hmm. like and and... i don't think we should minimize which i don't think we should minimize like we have the second richest black person in the world yeah coming to invest fest and other conferences cannot get him <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's what i'm saying like the like if you don't come to invest fest, you yeah. god, bless. God, god bless i mean god bless. We, we, we talked about god bless.
0: we talked about billionaires, right but like and we told people like if you don't know who junior Bridgman is no he's he's yes. one like in a in a year or two we're gonna be like oh he's junior well, six hundred million, I believe his number. I think he's 50. up to seven hundred right now. And, so Mike, like, and Mike Novogratz is—he's a billionaire too. But I'm just he's saying, seven billion dollars. He is. Yeah. I'm just saying, like African, like so. If we said this ten, like eleven, is it, probably going to be in the building. I mean, and you think about SH in terms of what his trajectory is looking like. You are talking about there goes another one. So there's a bunch of billionaires that are going to be in the situation.
1: And we're working on something. And we got special. we got but, a few. We got a few other surprises for in we don't, I don't want to announce everything, like all of the lot. like as far, the lineup has been announced, but how the lineup comes together and who's what, who and what the combination, and there's more people that we're actually working on. Yeah. Um, so Ian had a legendary run first two years and it becomes difficult to even think about how you can top these things. Those performances, um, But I think that, we got a chance. some of the brightest minds and these are like not the brightest minds like on the internet <laughs> like this ain't no disrespect this ain't no internet <laughs> this ain't no internet. This, yes. is real. this is real like this is real like you know what i'm saying so yeah i don't want to talk like i'm saying don't call me no influencer i'm just influential i don't want to talk about it but uh ian yeah. dunlap will be with some of the most influential people in the world on stage at InvestFest. yes because yes, why why would Why would he not be? Get your tickets now, ladies and gentlemen. A weekend to remember. Uh, Let's talk about Apple, if we could. Um, Yes, please, my baby. So Apple VR headset will reportedly run hundreds of thousands of iPad apps. So this is um, Apple, wildly wildly anticipated virtual reality headset, Mm -hmm. reportedly dubbed the Reality Pro. That's a good name. Reality Mm -hmm. Pro will also be compatible with Apple's own iPad apps and the hundreds of thousands of third party iPad apps, according to Bloomberg. The headset will reportedly be powered by an external battery pack similar in appearance to Apple's iPhone battery pack. The new headset is expected to launch at Apple's June WWDC event, event. and will reportedly cost around three thousand. Every week, with something new that we talk about with Apple. Last week, it was the Apple uh, savings account. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now it's the um the VR headset, and you know anybody. I'm a big proponent of virtual reality. I think virtual reality is going to be changed sports for sure. Yeah, uh, I can't wait for that to be able to sit ringside. We just came from a boxing fight be able to sit ringside. You won't get the same experiences as far as the networking, but as far as being able to enjoy LeBron firsthand, Mm -hmm. like you were sitting in Jack Nicholas's seat. That's an amazing experience. So, okay. Virtual reality, Apple, breaking news. Um, What's the deal? How do we feel about this? Amazing. And
2: meta, you got to go back to the drawing board. (laughs) Cause now with the inclusion of the apps, the app ecosystem, of course, Apple is a luxury brand. So going back to the top, we talked about a top of show. Price point is going to be around three thousand bucks. Eventually, over time, they'll get the price point down. But it's better to start high and work your way low as a luxury brand than to start low and try and work your way high. Nobody's going to pay ninety thousand dollars for a Camry because in our minds, it's perceived to be a low value, um, lower value tiered car, right? So now. Anyone who wanted to create this headset, AR, VR space, um, they're in trouble now. That's why I keep saying, like, always, please write this lesson down. Create the dream team for who will put you out of business and try to do that thing inside of your business. I know you guys saw the article. and People started messaging me like, hey, GPT can uh, predict the stock market. I'm like, I hope it does, because it will bring the value of what I do up tremendously. But I'm also in real time trying to figure out how can I use AI and implement it in my brain so I can put the prices out faster and let people have them, right? Um, I don't know what Meta's going to do because they have not had much interest and desire for their headset, even though the Quest Pro was pretty amazing. But when you have thousands of apps in the Apple ecosystem, which is so key,
0: this is going to be a huge win for them over the next topic of six years. So what do you guys think? Uh, I mean, another one? I think that's the first thing I think of another one because mm-hmm. most people were thinking wearables. We were thinking about the glasses. And here we are with the announcement of Diverse Reality, headspace uh, Reality Pro. Uh, I mean, the app thing is incredible. I think from a healthcare standpoint, it's even more incredible mm-hmm. when you think about now. Because they're... The way they're perceiving it is it's almost a fitness device, right? They didn't have a fitness device. We were thinking about maybe they'll acquire uh, a company like Peloton, but that didn't make sense. So how can they get into the, the wearables from a fitness standpoint? Well, yeah. you create virtual reality and now that virtual reality can be hooked up to your other health devices like the Apple Watch. And now you can track fitness. You can track heart rate. You can track all these things. Plus, you can have them actually doing exercises in real time. Uh, I mean, it's it's brilliant. <laughs> We're talking about another vertical uh, that, you know, they're just going to be in the leading again. So first thing is like that. And the second thing is like, yeah, the, the MetaQuest 2, uh, good luck. Good luck. Yep. I, mean, I, I don't, I mean, the, the brand loyalty that comes in is associated with Apple is second to none. Um, their history of products is second to none. Yeah, I mean it's, it's tough. It's tough for anybody in the space when, when Apple says that they're they're about to come into it. You I guess the, the, the next thing is to figure out who do you combine with, who do you merge with, who you can collaborate with to compete in this space now.
2: And sometimes people only want a product or project from a certain brand. Um and this is one of those things where like they have such a big I mean, going back to that multi billion user example with mm-hmm. when they, when they partner with Goldman, it's like, okay, great. And then, of course, Robinhood came out with an APY product for 4.4%, I think, after that. But it's like when you have all those customers inside of the ecosystem already, it's really hard to compete against that. Um, so I think it's one of those cases where it took too long for, and it's a great business lesson. You have to get the product right the first time. Even going back to InvestFest, first one, like everyone was like, yo, I'm going out. I remember my guy hit me up like, where you at? I'm like, I'm in the hotel working on the presentation. What do you mean? He's like, why? I'm like, if I don't kill this time on stage, I'll never be back on. (laughs) What do you mean? Like, this is a, a key test for everyone. Like, if you don't over deliver on information plus actual theatrics of the show, and creating the memory because of course i was maybe one of the lesser known people but i'm like no they gonna know this weekend mm-hmm. so and everybody in red panda went crazy then how do i do it again for year two meta when they initially launched that headset it wasn't amazing which gave room for a bunch of competition and now you have the biggest player in the game who puts out a better version
0: what are you going to do yeah we've seen it happen a bunch of times and sometimes being first this is these are the penalties Right, because he, people get to watch the space and they say, "How can we approve on it?" Right. Yeah. So, like when you said, people will just trust the brand. Like some people will get a Fitbit, but then there's other customers to say, "I'll just wait till Apple puts out a new watch." And here
2: comes the Apple right? Watch.
0: Some yep. people will say, "Hey, I'm going to get a tablet." Well, Microsoft has one. Well, I'll just wait till they create an iPad. Yep. Right. Well, I, I might get a virtual reality headset. Well, or I could just wait until Apple makes one. Right. So the people who are at Meta, they were out with it. Okay, this is what you have. This, this is your king, right? Yeah. And uh, and here we go. All right, how do yeah. we make a new improve? How we incorporate it? How do we add different verticals inside of it? And that's, they're masterful at it. They're masterful at it.
2: Yeah, I'm going to say it again. Apple probably is the greatest publicly traded company in the history of mankind. Like I've never seen a company go on this run where product after product is amazing. This kind of fan-like, zombie-like loyalty amongst the fan base And they are a luxury brand that most people don't see it as that. But like every phone's a thousand bucks. This product is three grand. They also have this subscription part in healthcare is in play. Banking is in play. Like they almost are like a a conglomerate that the people made. Well played.
0: I think we take probably out.
1: Yeah. Apple. Apple.
2: Yeah.
0: They are. Yeah. I think Apple is like 8%
2: of the S&P right now. I don't think that's ever been done in the history of, like, indexing.
1: Yeah. Tech 2 Index is the vibe. Um, Okay. I think that uh, we have a guest. Yes. Joining us. Yes. So, let's surprise. Ladies and gentlemen, hit the like button and share. We're in the second hour of Market mondays and we are about to get into a lot of information what's my going on,
2: technical bro? brother how are you
1: how are you we gotta unmute him i think he's muted on his side might might be muted on your side well why why he's doing is it, mike ian would you like to introduce our guest
2: Yes, JC, uh, you guys may know him from All Star Charts. So what I wanted to do is have a big technical episode where we go over some charts. Uh, JC is a technician like myself, and he's one of the few people like uh, that I'll listen to his advice. And like me, he may have some hot takes, but they usually pay out to be right. So in the second half of the show, I want to get a little bit spicy, go over some charts, and then have some discussions around gold, where he thinks Bitcoin may go. Of course, Apple, NVIDIA. And I think
0: it'd be a great perspective to get another
2: person's take on technical levels as well.
4: Are we now? You guys hear me all right? We
0: got you perfect. We got you perfect. And Mike Tyson punch out, legendary in the best. (laughs)
1: Come on, come on, legendary. So yes, All Star Charts are one of the top online resources when it comes to technical analysis. Um, Very, very uh, prestigious when it comes to that all of the charting, all you chart geeks out there, you probably are already familiar. Yes. Um, and yeah, we haven't talked about technical analysis in a while. And this is important, especially for traders. Uh, it's difficult to trade if you can't read a chart. Yes, it's true. <laughs> it, be- it becomes increasingly difficult to make money that way. So, um, all right, this is going to be a fun conversation. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Let's get into it. Ian, you want to start or? Yes, absolutely. JC,
0: Ian, I y'all both co-hosts. So if you want to share your screen at any point, y'all good. Yeah, JC,
2: I know you have some charts. I want to ask you before. Yeah, yeah, you can share the screen now. But what's one or two of your favorite patterns that you like to trade the most?
4: Right. So first of all, I appreciate the invite, guys. Uh, While I I share my screen here, let me just get this out of the way. Um, You know, what? One of the things that I think gets lost um, with most investors is that they they don't understand what technical analysis really even is.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, you know, they think it's, uh, you know, charts on a screen and squiggly line go up, squiggly line goes down. Like my college buddies, they're like, oh, JC, nobody knows what you do. Uh, squiggly line up, squiggly line down, <laughs> you make all this money. I don't understand. But those are my college buddies. But at the end of the day, let's remember what technical analysis is. Technical analysis is the study of the behavior of the market, right? We're analyzing the behavior of stocks and interest rates and commodities and currency prices, as opposed to the goods and the services in which a particular market deals. You guys were just rapping about Apple, how they're coming up with products after product, greatest uh you know publicly traded company ever right all that stuff like it's hilarious but what are you guys talking about you used i'm sure you use a ton of the products you know they keep coming up with new you know awesome things that consumers love yeah great but at the end of the day the reason that it's the greatest stock of all time or the most valuable stock of all time is because it's been trending higher that whole time right Prices have appreciated. If everybody would have lost money in that, it doesn't matter how great the product is. No one's going to talk about how great the stock is, right? So here's what I think gets lost. As investors, whether you're a trader or whether you're a long term investor, in fact, technical analysis works the longer your time horizon, not the shorter your time horizon. So the longer your time horizon, the more important it is for you to understand trends. That's really what it's all about asset prices trend. We know that Mm -hmm. asset prices are not random, right? We have the data. We have all the white papers from MIT and you know, that you need and Wharton. We know, asset prices trend. Bottom line, a, a stock price that is trending higher has a much, much higher likelihood to continue to trend in that direction than for it to completely reverse and turn around, first of all. Second of all, before it completely reverses and turns around, There are signs of exhaustion that tend to occur again and again and again and again before the stock starts to fall apart and and the stock market indexes for that matter. So, When it comes to technical analysis, what's my favorite indicator? What's my favorite pattern to, let's say, buy, right? If I'm looking to buy a stock, I want to buy a stock that's going up. The most bullish thing that a stock can do is go up in price. There's nothing that a stock can do that is more bullish than it going up. Because by definition, it already has a leg up because it has a higher probability to continue to go up instead of just randomly reversing and starting to decline.
0: Mm, so when, when I'm looking at your charts, and I guess when you do it, you talked about patterns. But what, what moving averages do you look at or choose to use? I know Ian talks about the 72-day EMA. What are some of the ones that you like to use when, you, when you're charting?
4: Yeah, I, I don't use any, really. Um, moving averages, you know, because... What are moving averages? Moving averages are smoothing mechanisms. That's all it is, right? So when you're looking at, at at volatile chart prices over a period of time, you could throw a moving average, a smoothing mechanism to sort of smooth out that noise. You could be a long-term investor looking at 10-month moving averages. You could be a short-term swing trader using an eight-day and a 21-day moving average crossover. Like there are strategies that incorporate moving averages but there are just really ways to help weed out the noises of trends or lack thereof in many cases when all these moving averages keep crossing over each other, it's because there is no real directional trend. So if you're going to put a gun to my head and say what, you know, what moving average do you like the best? I don't know. I guess maybe the 10-month moving average I kind of like because it's very slow. It's great for longer-term investors. If the S&P 500 is above it's closing above the 10 month exponential moving average, probably not in a downtrend. Like, that's kind of like one of the oldest, yeah. you know, uh, sort of uh, stock market um, trend following systems that any idiot can follow is just, you know, own stocks if it's above the 10 month moving average, don't if it's not, you know. So, I guess, gun to my head. If, if I'm going to use an, a moving average of any kind, it's going to be a volume weighted average price where there actually is market memory, right? Because remember, a moving average is an invisible line. There's no actual price history whatsoever at that line. It's just literally an average of all the other lines, right? There's no history there. But when it comes to... An, an anchored volume weighted average price there really is history there institutions are following that every single day because it's the trader's job if they're going to execute an order and you get a hedge fund client being like hey i need 10 million shares of ExxonMobil, you know whatever and you got five days to buy it or whatever well that trader is going to be judged on his or her fills relative to the average volume weighted average price right like if if they're getting better prices than the rest of the market is they're doing their job correctly and if they're if they're they're not being able to beat the vwap they're failing at their job they're not going to get the order the next time the other trader who got the other 10 million shares because they ab tested the traders is going to get the order on the next one right so that's how that works so there's real and as you start approaching it You start fading right like there's real support and resistance at those levels so i'm going to use a smoothing mechanism at all to probably be a a vwap
2: so so here i'm looking at your chart um you have an end point for 33.93 and i see you have a 1618 extension are you using fibs or what uh indicator are you using here and can you guide us through how you would view this chart
4: yeah yeah totally so these are this is just this is just basic fibonacci math you know it's not that complicated not to like over uh overanalyze this but you know, the market tends to just, you know, show resistance and support at these levels. As you can see here, this is just a 161.8% extension of the decline. Again, not to get too much into the Fibonacci math, just a level of interest, right? It's nothing more. It's not this magic number. It's not going to make you millions. It's literally just a point of reference that the markets tend to respect again and again and again over time. So we, I incorporate them in my charts because it, it really helps. I mean, like, Um, you can't like really deny it it's obviously been a very important level here absolutely (laughs) so you know and my suspicion is this 5300 level is going to be pretty important one day in the future also right so we'll worry about that when the time comes Uh, but there's a big level and it the market's inability to overcome these levels just reiterates that there's a ton of overhead supply relative to demand in the s&p 500 right? But remember, it's not the bull market's fault that the S&P 500 is underperforming, Mm -hmm. right? And, and, you know, people like forget that like stocks traded before 2011, like go back in history in the, you know, in in the 80s, you know, all bull markets throughout history, the United States underperformed quite often uh, during those uh, bull markets. So just because the S&P 500 is an underperformer doesn't mean that it's a bear market. I mean, look, just since the dollar peaked, in the end of September of last year, when stocks really got going, Europe's up 50%. Mm. Europe's up 50%. efo, um, which includes a lot of Japan, is up 32%. The All-Country World Index, X united States, is up almost 25%. That's with the NASDAQ and Dow, uh, only up 50, 15% only. And the S&P 500 up 14%. Like, these are still great returns. Like, you know, yeah. these are fantastic quarter you know the s&p Jesus was up seven percent in q4 seven percent in q1 this year these are fantastic returns but they're not even scratching the surface to what you're seeing in europe as france continues to make new all-time highs um united kingdom making new all-time highs denmark making new all-time highs like that's what's driving things over there um and it really comes down to composition the s&p 500 in the, in, in the united states and the nasdaq very tech heavy, very growth heavy. And as those growth tech heavy index, you know, growth heavy stocks did so well for so long, the United States was the best place to be. You didn't need to be anywhere else. You didn't want to be anywhere else. If you ever did, you wish you weren't. You wish you had more United States like that. That was the trend for a long time as interest rates were falling because growth stocks were the outperformers. Well, a funny thing happened recently. I don't know if you heard, but these tech stocks and all these growth stocks got absolutely slaughtered. Yeah. right the growthier the worse it got hit right but because all these other countries around the world particularly europe don't have all of that growth and tech exposure they have more exposure to industrials and healthcare and some of the consumer discretionary stocks like uh like uh hennessy right like look at louis vuitton Moy Hennessy making new all-time highs yep. like there are other countries that are doing very very well Uh, because of their exposure in other areas that the united states has a lack of exposure to right so so that's why you're seeing that uh, underperformance out of the united states but still good returns just not as good as the other stuff
1: lvmh so i have a question about technical analysis but this is interesting so let's stay on this while we're here so this is a chart um qqq obviously for anybody that watches market mondays you know that's the technology etf with all of the tech companies and then spy that is the s p 500 so this is from the last quarter this is this is from october this is is from
4: the end of september when the dollar peaked
1: okay the end of september to now yep so qqq is up 15 percent um but yeah explain can you just just for a minute because i want to i want to move slow because i want to make sure that everybody catches it because some people are very advanced that watch the show some people just started watching today and is my first time ever watching. So uh F E Z, uh EFA, uh A C W X, all of those, they they have done obviously tremendously well. Uh what can you explain what those are again?
4: Sure. So FEZ is the Euro stocks 50. So this is basically the Dow Jones Industrial Average of Europe, right? Think of it like that. It's a 50% just since the end of september ifa EFA is developed markets in general outside of north america so not emerging markets like china and india and russia and anything like that but strictly developed markets think japan australia obviously a ton of europe those are developed markets outside of uh north america also doing very well obviously you got a ton of uh europe in the developed markets outside uh north america etf and then you got acwe x so this is the all country world index x united states so this is the rest of the world outside the united states dramatically outperforming the united states mm-hmm. right? it's basically what that means um ioo is the just the global etf um veu uh is the vanguard international equity funds just to reiterate that all these non-us etfs except for emerging markets emerging markets just are are the underperformers here which is probably the biggest surprise
1: yeah absolutely told
4: me that the you that the u.s dollar would get slaughtered for a couple of quarters and stocks would do great i'd be like yeah that makes sense stocks should be doing great gold should be doing great silver all these things should be doing great But I also would have told you that emerging markets probably outperformed developed markets. And that would have been wrong, right? Developed markets have really been strong. And I think a lot of that has to do with that exposure to industrials and, um, you know, uh, uh, some healthcare and and some of the areas where uh, maybe the U.S. is lacking, right? Some of these European healthcare stocks, like in Denmark, these Mm -hmm. things are ripping, like Novo Nordisk and AstraZeneca. And like these stocks are just like, woo you know,
1: <laughs> so let me, let me ask a follow Let me ask a follow up if I can, because this, this sure. is interesting. So, um, Hey, this is good information to know for anybody, but especially our European listeners and especially the people in London, get your yes. tickets to market Mondays live in London. So we've, we've always, we've been hearing about the global, a global recession, um, and, you know, economic hard times globally. We see what's happening in France. Um, so, this is interesting because this shows a, a kind of a different story when it comes to stocks. Can we just go back to that last screen real quick before, before we transfer? Um, where these de- quote unquote developed countries, as you said, in Europe and in Asia, the whole entire world outside of, let's say, third world countries in America are, are doing better than they America. They're, they're doing tremendously better than america tremendously better than american stock market um that's interesting is is and this is every anybody can chime in on this is this um a sign of what's to come in the next decade or two decades where I mean we talk about america a lot as far as its influence is waning um but you know i haven't heard too many people talking about the other stocks outside of the world that are vastly, yeah, uh, beating the American stocks market,
4: yeah, well, um, I'll show you actually, so you can see it's it's not so much that the the u s. is waning or anything like that. It's that the u s. has dominated for so long because of so much exposure to technology and growth stocks, yep. and in low, falling rate environments, those are the types of stocks that do the best, right? In other types of market environments where other types of stocks are dominating, like let's say industrials are dominating. The United States is 7% industrials. You've got a country like France is 23% industrials. Mm-hmm. So industrial stocks are the leaders. Yeah, Denmark is 27% industrial. So if industrials are the leaders, the countries with the most exposure to those areas are the ones that are gonna be doing the best. It's less about, oh, is the US waning or anything like that, right? And more about which types of stocks are doing the best and which countries, like if materials are the leaders, then freaking Chile is gonna be the best performing country because they got a ton of exposure to materials, right? For example, and the United States, the S&P 500 is 2% materials. The materials of the leaders, the U.S. is probably not, the U.S. I'm sure it might be doing fine, but they're not going to be the leading country, number one. Number two, I just want to reiterate, some people are like, "Ah, JC, I don't care about France, you know, with their wine and their bougie sauces. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) I live in America, right? Steak and potatoes, man. You know, like, I don't need, right? You can be an American investor, all these countries, all their biggest stocks trade on the New York Stock Exchange, right? Like you could buy AstraZeneca, you could buy yes. Novo Nordisk, you know, you could buy British Petroleum, you could buy, you know, ASML, which is the uh, the the semi stock from Amsterdam, right? We call it the Dutch Master ASML. This thing's the beast. What we've
0: do heard you? Of, care? We've heard of that before. Yeah.
4: Yeah. What <laughs> do you care whether it's a, a Dutch semi? or uh, a Taiwanese semiconductor, or from Silicon Valley. Who cares? It's just letters and math.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Nothing because of all the geopolitical risks, and we talked about it before, but when quantitative easing kind of went out of the window, tech got beat up as a result. Then some other, and we said at the London show last year, started the CAC 40, German DAX, study mm-hmm. the Australian market. Like you need exposure to every market just in case things don't go
0: well. So um, kudos to everyone that's done their homework and found some stocks internationally yeah. that are doing pretty well. I think that's something we spoke about in Toronto too, um, Ian, when, when we were yep. talking about, look at the sectors that the countries are, are invested in. and When we looked at Toronto, specifically Canada as a country, we looked at financials as as the number one sector and we saw industrials as the number one sector. So based on the country, we'll tell you, which sector is important, and if that sector is rising, then that country is obviously going to be moving at a higher pace. In the U.S., uh, JC, can you go to the first chart again uh, of the S&P? Because when I look at this, if I'm, I'm a beginner looking at technical analysis and I'm looking at this pattern, this is interesting because we're going into May, and most people, and there's been plenty of reports over the past couple of weeks, is like sell in May and go away. Obviously, because we know that during the summer, less volume. But looking at this chart here, it looks like we, there is a trend that's going upward. What are your thoughts, right? We see that the VIX is at an all-time it's at a low. Uh, it's about, six, what was that, 19.7 or a little bit below that. What are your thoughts on this trend of the S&P going into you know, that time of the year where most people are saying, all right, not as much value. We shouldn't get involved. We should sell now and, and, and wait to the third, end of the third, fourth quarter.
4: Yeah, I mean, look, this is a longer term look you could zoom into the s&p 500 here right and you could just see that since last summer every time it gets to this 4150, 4200 level it fails yeah down. right so it's a there's an overwhelming amount of supply relative to demand you know here's your anchored vwap from the all-time high so technically the average buyer of the s&p 500 technically is in the green slightly slightly so but that doesn't change the fact now, we're in a long-term, you know, I should have say long-term sideways trend, maybe an intermediate-term sideways trend yep. since last summer, right? Right near these key levels. And I think that the ultimate resolution is higher. And the reason is not because, like, of some voodoo that we're doing on this chart or, or Fibonacci and technical analysis. It's just when you look at the rest of the market, are more and more stocks going up? Are more and more stocks breaking out to new highs? Are more sectors making new highs? Are more countries around the world making new highs? Or are we seeing breakdowns to new lows by more stocks? Breakdowns to new lows by more sectors and countries? And the answer is, quite obviously, for the last 10 months, we have had the majority of stocks going up, Mm -hmm. not down. And in bull markets, what happens? Stocks go up in bull markets. They've been doing that for 10 months. You could argue that this is a bear market rally, You can argue like me that this has been a bull market all along, right? You can make either of those arguments. It actually doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is stocks have been going up for 10 months. So now the question becomes, what are they going to do next? Are they all of a sudden randomly going to stop going up today and start to go down? Or are they just going to keep moving in the direction that they're heading in? Like historically, they tend to, right? And my bet, because there's no evidence whatsoever at all, that stocks are massively about to roll over and completely crash. They could, and we could start seeing some of that evidence this afternoon. I don't know, right? My crystal ball's in the shop. We'll find out.
2: (laughs) I'll let you borrow (laughs) mine.
4: As of right now, there's no evidence whatsoever that stocks are going to randomly just decide today to turn around and go down. Again, they could, but there's no evidence yet, number one. Number two, regarding the selling may go away, while historically, stocks tend to Underperformed so the best six months of the year are from November to April, right? And we're yeah. just finishing up April, so the best six months of the year is coming to an end. Doesn't mean that stocks can't do well in the summer going into the fall, right? So, selling may go away, but you have to remember to buy in November or you know, get yourself right, get yourself sober and buy in October. What do they say, you buy <laughs> in October, get yourself sober, whatever yeah. it is that's down the road, but in pre election years, that's less precise right pre-election years tend to be the best year of the four-year cycle and sell selling may and into you know the worst time of the year tends not to be at all and tends to continue to be the it, like if the best six months of the year were to continue that's how pre-election years uh result so that's what this looks like here and then when you take the composite so this is every year going back to 1950 for the s&p 500 It's every year, every pre-election year, going back to 1950, and uh, all of the third years of every decade for the decennial cycle. So all three seasonal cycles combined Mm. into one composite, that's what this looks like for 2023. So seasonality-wise, we should be going from the lower left to the upper right. So far, we have. Stocks are doing great this year. You know, gotten off to one of the greatest starts in the history of the stock market. People... Cannot be more pessimistic and bearish. I don't know what everyone's so scared about. Like the big money poll from Bearers this weekend, six percent were bullish. Really, it's crazy. Six, six percent. And then J.P. Morgan's investor poll uh, from last week, less than one percent of uh of people who voted, less than one percent, half a percent of people who voted think the stock market, the S and P closes higher this year. Less than one percent. So. You know, stocks keep going up and and people, and people. I don't know what people are so angry about. And then another thing I'll show you is that when you look at the commercial hedgers, this is the, you know, the, this comes from the commitment of traders favorite report, chart. Yeah. how positioning, how the smart money, quote unquote, is positioned and how the dumb money is positioned. And the hedge funds, the large speculators, which historically are great contrarian, right? You want to take the other side when they're a consensus. You know what they're doing? They are the most short the S and P five hundred that they have been in over a decade. Yeah. So I will happily take the other side of of large speculators like hedge funds, uh, the barons, big money poll, Only six percent are bullish, and J P Morgan's investors less than half a percent. uh, think the market closes higher this year. Um, uh, um, we're we're very aggressively and have been taking the other side of that. <laughs>
2: How often are you uh, referencing that COT report on the future side and also like gold is normally from 174 to like 194 in resistance? Do you think that um, gold is going to slide down or do you think it'll break above resistance and and hold steady?
4: Yep. So to answer your question about the COT report, we look at it every week for changes. You know, for the most part, we ignore it. We only care like at at extremes. Yeah. They're at extremes. That's what I'm interested. Right. In this case, quite the extreme so it's interesting right and it, it's right in line with all the other data that we're seeing that stocks keep going up and not only are, are people angry like you know they're, they're like not only are they upset that stocks are going up in a lot of cases they're just like closing their eyes like it's not happening like pretending it's not happening like stocks have been going up for 10 months and yeah. people are asking me when the bear market's going to be over i'm like what are you are you like what kind of serial killer things looking like at
2: that? different data yeah <laughs>
4: And then to answer your question on gold, you know, a great example, you know, like Europe that has done nothing for 20 years, right? Europe, more than 20 years, right? No progress since the tech bubble burst out in Europe. And now they're just getting going. In gold, no progress since 2011 when gold prices peaked. And, you know, so they haven't even started to get going again. This is really a massive base. We had an all-time weekly closing high a couple of Fridays ago. You know, I've, I've done a lot. I've studied markets for 20 years. You know, in downtrends, you don't see a lot of new all-time highs. Mm-hmm. You know, So I would look at that as constructive. Like I said, you know, like we started the show, most bullish thing an asset can do is go up in price. New all-time highs tend to come before more new all-time highs, which historically come before new all-time highs. So if we are above... Probably 2,000, I think, is a pretty good level just for, you know, every investor to kind of keep in mind. If there's a two in front of gold, I think you got to own it. It's got to be a part of your portfolio. If it's below 2,000, then, you know, it's still messy and and maybe needs more time. But to me, that's the level, 2,000.
2: Can we see a market where, if I could do a follow-up real quick, where gold would hit like twenty four hundred? but the S&P stays above 4,500? Because I know most people use gold as a hedge, but if we're seeing all-time new highs in gold and the market will go up and international markets are going going to go up, when will we see some dispersion and gold does become a hedge again?
4: Yeah, I mean, listen, I've never seen any evidence at all that gold is any hedge maybe against profitability, perhaps, Mm. (laughs) you know, I mean, for 10, 12 years, anybody made money except for gold investors. Like you could have bought Bitcoin, you could have bought stocks, you could have bought bonds. Like everybody's making money except the gold bugs, right? But it gets back to what we were talking about before. There's a time and a place for everything. There's a time and a place for tech and United States stock market. There's a time and a place for industrials and financials and other countries. have more exposure like healthcare for example and and there's times where healthcare is an underperformer and there's a time where tech there's a time and a place for everything same thing with precious metals right doesn't mean that you think the world's going to come to an end in fact in the 2000s in the mid-2000s we were in a raging bull market for stocks raging bull market one of the greatest bull markets of all time earlier in my career guess what Gold was going up too, and gold is yeah. actually outperforming the stock market. So as, as great as stocks did from, let's say, 2002, 2003, up through 2007, gold did even better, right? So mm, why can't that happen point. again? Like, you know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Uh, in fact, I think the correlation remains relatively positive because all we've seen is a strong negative correlation between the U.S. dollar and equities. So if the US dollar is rising, stocks are uh, tend to be under pressure. And if the US dollar is rising, then gold's probably not doing great either. But if the dollar's falling like it has over the last couple of quarters, yeah. stocks have proven that they're going to do well in a falling dollar environment and gold has certainly proven that it it's going to do well in a in a falling dollar environment. So I think they both move up together actually is the bet that we're making. Number 1, number 2, if you take the dollar out of the equation altogether, and you look at gold price in other currencies like Japanese yen, like British pounds, gold is already making new highs. In fact, I want to show you the chart. Gold is already making new all time highs. Here, let me just pull it up quick.
2: You're looking here's at gold.
4: GOD? Here's gold price in USD, and then here's gold price in all the other currencies. Look at the 2011 highs, price in the dollar. And then look at the 2011 highs, price in yen. Euro, British pounds, Canadian dollar, Aussie. And you could go look at South African Rand. You could look at a price in Indian rupee. You know, go across the board. They're all going from the lower left to the upper right. So to me, it's inevitable that price in dollars does the same.
1: Um, you know, this is actually a lot of valuable, very good information. Absolutely. Hit the like button and share. Everybody that's watching on YouTube. I have a few questions, actually. Um, This gold chart is pretty... Interesting, because yeah, that's this is a bad chart for ten years. It did it not only did it do not it lost it lost money drastically. Then took a, a very long time for it to break back even. Um, so that's interesting as far as the goal. So you said something that was very insightful. You said that it, there's a time and a season for everything. I'm paraphrasing it. A lot of people think that you should hold gold like forever, long term you don't agree with that
4: no not at all you know that's 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 proven to be a bad idea like right like there's a time to own gold and a time to not own gold you know like it's been a time to not own gold for a long time right but now it, it appears to be a good time to buy gold and gold stocks like so here we're looking at all all of the components of the philadelphia gold and silver index so this this index is old school You ask any old school gold bugs, like this is their Bible right here. So these are the the 30 largest gold and silver stocks and where prices relative to a moving average. So you asked me before about moving averages. I don't necessarily use them in charts often, but we do reference them that when we run like quantitative analysis like this, where... If you're above your five-day moving average, like you're in a tiny, tiny, tiny little uptrend, right? But if you're above your 250-day moving average, you're probably in a longer-term uptrend and everything in between. So this goes from five-day, 10-day, 20-day, 50, 100, 150, 200, 250. If it's green, price is above that moving average. If it's red, it's below. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of green.
1: A ton. Green means go. Can, can you go back to the um to the chart with the political cycle?
4: Yeah.
2: And I just want to say this about gold. Gold has long down periods as well. I think from 83, 84 to 2001, gold was like flat or relatively down. Um, and then it had a huge takeoff in from 02 to 2011. Yep. So for everyone who's looking to invest in gold, like this is the historical pattern of gold. Like it'll have long periods of, of a bullish run and then they will have five to 10 years where it's just flat or declining.
1: Yep. Can we can we just go through this um, a little bit slower for everybody? Sure.
4: sure. So this is the four-year presidential cycle. You got your post-election year, which was twenty twenty-one, and, this, and it,
1: this, this 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 is this is his, this is based off of historical information.
4: This goes back to nineteen fifty.
1: This yeah. is historical information how the stock market has done over the course of presidential cycles.
4: Correct. And we use 1950 because that's really when the U.S. economy changed from like a farming economy to, you know, more service industry and, and you know, industrial you know revolutions and all sorts of uh, things where now farming is like, you guys probably know better than me, maybe like less than 1% of the U.S. economy. Yeah. It's like not even, I mean, I don't want to say it doesn't matter because farmers matter. But in terms of the numbers of our economy and our stock market it's irrelevant right it doesn't mean anything um so 1950s that's kind of like when the u.s shifted so that's a good time to you know if you ever want to pivot like historical data that's usually a pretty it's particularly for seasonality because remember that a lot of the stock market moves were based on harvests and things like that where now it doesn't matter whether it's a good harvest or a bad harvest because the u.s is much bigger now and has a lot of other industries anyway good time to pivot so you got your pre your post-election year which in this case was uh, 2021 um then you've got your midterm election year of course which was 22 right then you've got your pre-election year which is this year which is 23 and then you got your election year which is next year right so here's your third year of the presidential cycle, which historically going back to 1950, is by far and away mm-hmm. the best year of the, of, of the four years. Because you know why? Because you know, you just got elected, you got four years till the next one you get all the bad stuff out of the way, right? Piss everybody off early, you know, <laughs> whatever you got to do, get it done early. And then yeah. as things start getting closer to the election, now you want to butter everybody up. You don't want to screw it. You don't want to piss anybody off. Like you were, know, you got an election coming up. So you're either going in to get reelected or you're trying to hook up the next guy or whatever. You just can't screw it up, right? So that's, who knows if that's true or not, but that's sort of like what we kind of say uh, internally. That's that's the best explanation i've ever heard
2: <laughs> really quick, i see it says here trend is more important than love and I always say if you get the direction of the asset wrong it doesn't matter where you get in but can you explain to the audience why trend is so important because i think technicals are just like the fundamentals printed on a chart yeah can you explain why that trend and getting that right is so key especially for people that are like into bitcoin ethereum doge or any asset class
4: yeah you know um in this case we're we're talking specifically about this chart you know it's not like oh the s p 500 has to go up 16 percent on pre-election years like it's not so much about like a price level or anything like that just most of the overall trend yeah you know um you know the the historically you know in midterm election years going into the election you know that summer going into the elections tends to be the worst time of Rocky. the four-year presidential cycle right and then you get into the the fourth quarter of the midterm years right after midterm elections that's when stocks really kick off and sure enough stocks have done great just because the s p 500 has underperformed doesn't mean stocks haven't done great number one number two s S p 500 has done great right seven percent in the fourth quarter seven percent in the first quarter those are great returns compared to the rest of the world really underperforming uh, particularly developed markets and now the s p 500 should be playing catch up right so which is when i look at charts of the s p my suspicion is that it's going to break out number one number two i just wanted to follow up and you can ask a follow-up question but i just wanted to explain it's not just like oh well jc says that pre-election year so stocks have to go up no it's not about that (laughs) it's about putting that into context and setting the stage historically speaking stocks should go up now let's go see if that's exactly what's happening So when you look at the largest weighting of the S&P 500 is technology. Tech is 26% of the S&P 500. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: And Facebook, Tesla, Amazon, Google, none of those stocks are in the sector. None of those are tech stocks. Google and Facebook, or now they call it Meta, the kids these days. Meta (laughs) and Google, those are communications. Communications. Tesla and Amazon are uh, consumer discretionary stocks. So these aren't even tech stocks. So just tech alone is 26%, and then you got all those. But let's just focus on tech. How is this resolving? looks to me like it's resolving higher. So if this is resolving higher and it's over a quarter of the S&P, is the S&P going to go lower, right? And when you look at healthcare, which represents 14% of the S&P, this looks pretty healthy too. It looks like it's going to break out. And if healthcare is breaking out, you think S&Ps are going lower? So if tech's breaking out and healthcare is breaking out, that alone represents 40% of the S&P 500. Are S&Ps falling in that environment? And then, by the way, healthcare represents 20% of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is the most important stock market index in the world. Yeah. And when you look at the advanced decline line of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, in other words, what are the stocks in the index doing? And combine them all together, they're at all-time highs.
0: You, so- you just... You just took my question, and I, I was looking at the sectors, and, and I'm glad that you brought up how, how much technology is weighted inside of it. But for this year, and let's look, let's forecast for the next second half of the year, are there another sector or another couple of sectors that we should be looking at as far as trends? I know you talked about healthcare and technology now. Uh, energy is up nearly 2% this year so far. Is, there, is, is it energy? Is it industrials? Are there some other sectors where, where we can find some gains?
4: Well, so to me, energy still a, a, a waiting game. I'll tell you why. Because energy still hasn't broken out. So this is the energy sector index. And just Spider look plant. how it's still below the 2008 highs. Mm-hmm. See that? Yep. So energy still has work to do. Um, when it decides to break out, you know, I'm all for it. I, I think the bigger picture trends, um, look at oil services, for example. These are like Schlumberger, Baker Hughes, transocean those are the names in or you know in in oil services and notice how oil services got hit so bad guys so bad over the last 15 years that the index is below the lows after the tech bubble burst in 02 yeah think about that so we're not like below the great financial crisis lows or below like we're below the lows from 02 like after that crash we're below that that's how bad it's gotten for oil services where you had a company like transocean used to be 150 billion dollar market cap now it's two yeah. right so these are babies in comparison so you know if you start to see oil services getting finally above those levels that would be uh impressive you know these things like look at schlumberger below overhead supply halliburton is a mass transocean is a mass baker hughes is below overhead supply these are the types of stocks in that index and you look at uh the explorers and producers now. And same thing, you know, stuck below overhead supply, kind of a mess. You know, if I'm going to be in the space at all, I like Occidental Petroleum. You know, this is Warren Buffett's really been buying this very aggressively. Warren Buffett now owns over 30% of all of the stock mm-hmm. and he just got approval to buy up to 50%. And when wow. you look at all the filings, cause we track the filings from the, uh, you know, from the insiders, every time it dips below 60, he buys every single time over the last year. It's insane. In fact, it's when it dips below 60, like internally in meetings are like, yo, you think you think Uncle Warren's buying right now, yo? You think he's buying? And then sure enough, a couple of days later, filing drops be like, see, I'm telling you, he's got a technical analyst working for him. I'm telling you, I'm convinced.
2: I, I know, so, oh, no, go ahead, Troy.
0: No, I was gonna say, Ian Nichols are, are dead or alive for the energy sector.
2: <laughs> I mean, and also too, like when futures went negative in 2020, of course it's had a hell of a bounce since then. But it didn't break out as much as I thought it would to get back positive. So even when we talked about energy, I've always have kind of steered away. I like them for some swing trades, but you know, like long term, I wouldn't hold energy. Um, I do have. I mean, questions. listen, look,
4: Canadian dollars tend to move historically with crude oil, right? As you can see yep. here, crude oil and Canadian dollar futures move closely together. And you got uh, commercial hedges. You got the smart money buying, right? So you know, that's 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 something um that's 75 levels the level for me if uh oil is above 75 you know i think you know you could you could be in energy stocks i mean i like to see a breakout in the xle to to see it really get going we haven't seen that quite yet Mm -hmm. um but you're seeing relative strength out of exxon mobil that's good leadership i think inevitably inevitably it comes um you could be a little patient i don't think you're going to miss it tomorrow but if we're above 75 in crude oil it's okay
2: Are you looking at the futures prices first or are you looking at the stocks first? Because I trade futures myself. I always go based off futures because I feel like they determine price a little bit better. But what about you? Are you looking at XLE first or are you looking at CO to determine?
4: I'm looking at at both. Um, You know, Look at crude oil futures up here in black. And then here in blue, you could see energy relative to the S&P 500, right? They tend to move together. So for me, it's it's a weight of the evidence. Um, It's not one or the other. It's both. So sure. when I see a 40% correction in crude oil futures and I see energy relative to the rest of the market kind of hanging in pretty good, yeah, right? As you can see here, like to me, that's pretty impressive. So, you know, that's why like you can't have one without the other. Like you can't be trading gold miners without looking at gold. You can't be trading energy stocks without looking at crude. Oil. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, it's all in the family. So it, all, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to buy crude oil futures. You could, you know, I, I personally rather be in the equities because the equities are outperforming. You know and I, I i like to be in the outperformers you're gonna get you know but if you want to be in the futures if we're above 75 i don't have a problem with it
2: follow before for you i know you've been uh studying technical analysis for 20 years um if you can go back to day one what are like three lessons that you wish you knew from the very beginning
0: um i know it's loaded
4: <laughs> seriously um uh always have a stop right the biggest losses always start with small losses i know you know what i'm saying yeah you have a stop every time i it took me too long to learn that one would have saved what, me a lot of money had i learned it earlier That's what,
2: per, what percentage would you have your stop loss at
4: well it's not so much a percentage as it is where the market would prove your thesis to be invalid
2: mm, okay right?
4: So it's not so much like oh, three percent trailing stop it's it's like okay i'm gonna buy the stock at this price here let's give an example let's see let's see this is let's just use alamos okay. or, or, or let's, alamos is kind of taken off so let's use a uh, wheat wheat precious metals all right so here's wheat and precious metals the thesis here is that this stock is going to go higher towards 70 if we're above those 2011 highs mm-hmm. if the stock's above the 2011 highs we own it and we think it goes higher now what happens if the stock is not above the 2011 highs well in that case our thesis that if it's above this price it's going to go higher is invalidated and therefore we should not be in the trade so in this case i would set the stop right below 47
2: gotcha okay
4: so whatever that percentage works out to where the price is today so be it right so then i calculate that Right, so let's say um, it's uh, it's five percent below the the current life. Like, forget the stock. Let's say it's five percent below the current price, and I can make forty percent if I'm right. Well, that's an eight to one, one. risk reward. You know, reward to risk ratio. Yeah. That's good enough for me. Yeah. Right. So if you can put the probabilities of success in your favor, and the risk versus reward is also in your favor, right? Because in, in that's that's the beauty of the market, in life in general. The better the reward, the potential reward, the more the risk, right? The lower the probability that you know, the the lower the probability that you're going to be right, and you know, the 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 more risk that you have to take, right? Like it's it's a it's yin and yang in the yeah. market. You can position yourself in both, where the probabilities of success are on your side, and the risk reward is on your it's side. Long. Yeah, yep. <laughs> oh, I, we have to.
1: Just explain that. Explain that last piece that you just said, because that that's very interesting. So in life, how, right? How do? You, no, no, I I got that part of it, but how how do you do that? You said in the market, you have the the ability to have a high uh, reward with a very low risk.
4: Yeah. So, in this case, right? If the tr- if the trend is up, and you're buying a stock that the trend is up. Mm-hmm. the probabilities that you're going to be successful are much higher than if you were to be shorting that stock, right? Because asset prices trend. So if you're shorting a stock in an uptrend, there's a higher probability outcome that you're going to lose money in that yeah,
2: going out. Yep.
4: You could pick the top, right? And people do, and I have, and like, fine. But that doesn't change the fact that the probabilities that you're right, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, you're fighting the trend. You know, people are like, oh, don't fight the Fed. I don't know who made that up. That's a lie. It's not, don't fight the Fed. It's don't fight the tape.
2: Yeah, don't fight the tape.
4: That's the saying. (laughs) Don't fight the tape. I don't know where this Fed thing came. Don't (laughs) fight the tape. So if you are buying something that's going up, your probabilities of success are higher, number one. Number two, if the risk versus reward in your favor, I mean, the risk versus reward, as far as I'm concerned, should always be in your favor. Absolutely. unless, Unless it's like an income trade. So like in the options market, for example, it's the opposite asset prices trend but volatility mean reverts right we know that high volatility tends to come down low volatility tends to come up we know that it's the opposite of asset prices but what's hilarious is that humans are always fighting trends even though asset prices trend they're always trying to fight the trends and then in volatility when volatility is up they think it's going to be up forever and when volatility is down they think it's going to be down forever when you know so humans are silly like that so if you want like the cheat code you know just kind of go through the warp zone for those of you who used to play video games or whatever understand that asset prices trend and volatility mean reverts so in the case of volatility mean reverting if you're selling like a strangle for example you are you you your probabilities of success are going to be very 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 high but the risk versus reward is against you right you're putting up more money to yeah. make a little bit of money, but
2: yeah, you're your putting in ten thousand to make
4: five hundred bucks. Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: yeah, the trend is your friend. That yeah. is extremely important. um
4: With benefits, <laughs> <laughs>
1: with I benefits. think
2: an easy formula is direction plus entry plus exit. So if you put in ten thousand, like if you put in ten thousand, let's say hypothetically, if you can make eighty-eight thousand upon your exit, that will put your risk in one dollar to make eight. Uh, we talked about this before at Toronto, and uh, to me as a trader, I think risk to reward is second most important to get in the direction right.
4: So that's um, that's your number, 8 to 1? It's got to be at least 8 to 1? No,
2: Yeah, on a low end.
4: Yeah, I'm like 7 to 1, you know. Yeah. That's, Same, a, that's yeah. a good one for me. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's everybody has their own. I've heard 4 to 1 from great traders, so there's no right or wrong way to do this.
2: Yeah, you just have to figure out what works for you and, and keep that's your right. index now.
1: Well, right. This was extremely insightful, for sure, yes. on a variety of different um, conversational pieces. I thought we was just going to be talking about technical analysis, but we had a great conversation about-
4: This is technical analysis. Well, yes.
1: yeah, no, for sure. But I mean, just even the um, the goal conversation, the international conversation, where it's it's all based on tech technical analysis, but it also is a broader conversation about just the economy and the way that stocks are moving- um, which, like you said, I mean, it all comes down to technical analysis as well as far as taking the emotion out of it and just reading the charts and seeing mm-hmm. seeing what works yeah. currently and what is not working currently and not trying to convince yourself that something that is not working is going to work or something that is working is not going to work based off of emotion, taking the emotion out of it and um, just looking at the information that's on the charts. Yeah. JC, I, I, I wondered and
0: just off the of it, obviously a master at technical analysis. At any point, do you look at the fundamentals or is it strictly technicals?
4: No, as far as I'm concerned, the, the less I know, the better. Okay. Right? Okay. Because, you know, a lot of people, what happens is they fall into these rabbit holes where they spend so much time trying to learn a stock. And they spend so much time, so much sunk cost you know weeks months years in yeah. some cases so for them they cannot possibly comprehend having have wasted all that time and you know just like moving on to another stock you know what i mean like it's like all like so people get like stuck and brainwashed with this company because they already have so much time and effort invested in that particular stock when the truth is it's just letters and math you can't you're not we're not marrying these stocks we're yeah. just dating them right you know there's there's no beef like you're just not going up so i'm going to own enough, another one right so that's number one number two people are like well jc you could use fundamentals and technicals it doesn't have to be one or the other and in my opinion any time that you're spending doing fundamental analysis is time that you could be spending doing more technical analysis so the opportunity cost in reading bedtime stories to me is just too much right Like we're grown adults. You don't (laughs) need to be told stories to go to sleep at night. Like you're a three-year-old girl, like read your, Mary had a little lamb or whatever, you know, to your daughter, your son or whatever. That is fantastic. But as adults, as investors, do I care that Occidental Petroleum, you know, just got this new drill, you know, in in this random country and they found more oil. Like I'm just making things up. I know nothing about Occidental Petroleum, as you could tell. So I don't don't know about any of that stuff. I don't want to know, but I'll tell you this much. I bet you Warren Buffett did his homework, right? I bet you he knows what they're doing, considering he spent $11 billion buying their freaking stock. I bet he's done the homework. So guess what? That's good enough for me. So then I decide, okay, Uncle Warren likes it. Let's see if it's going up. And sure enough, it is going up. And there's a well-defined risk level where it's below 58. We don't want to own it. So I only got a couple of points of risk and I could potentially make 30, 40 points of upside. That becomes a 20 to one risk reward. Now we're talking and I know less than nothing about oil drilling. I know less about drugs, you know, drug manufacturing. I know even less about Taiwanese semiconductors, right? I know nothing about lithium batteries, right? I know, what do I know about the blockchain? I don't know, you know, I I hear a thing or two every now and then, the old block and chain. I know nothing, but if Bitcoin's going up, I want to own it, right? So, you know, to me, it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, less I know the better.
2: Speaking of Bitcoin, a couple of investors have it going to 125 and 150 over the next five years. What do you think about if you're charting? What do you see Bitcoin maxing out at?
4: A million in two months. Two months from now, it's going to a million. You know I what <laughs> of Nobody course. you get the memo? Of nope. course it is. <laughs> uh, I mean, I I hope it does. I, I mean, yeah. I would be uh, very well off if that were the case. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not against that happening, but I would argue getting back to probabilities. Probably not the higher probability outcome, right okay. Probably not yeah, 120 130 that's probably a good stop for me you know if 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 these levels hold right so what are we looking at here? We're looking at Bitcoin and ethereum finding support at former resistance, right these are the former cycle highs, right That's where we peaked at the end of 2017 when you drunk uncle and Thanksgiving's asking you how to buy Bitcoin, right remember that That yep. was this my high school buddies texting me, "Hey, which cryptocurrency do I buy not. Should I be buying cryptocurrencies specifically? Which one should I be buying, right? That's when you knew. So that was the here. We all obviously came down tremendously, ultimately broke out to new all-time highs after uh, uh, COVID. And then from last summer until recently, those prices have really been ironing out a bottom at those former highs, right? Yeah. So, so we like to call in the technical analysis community, we call that polarity where former resistance turns into support, and that's exactly what we're seeing here in both of them. So my bet, personally, and for our customers, has been, if we're above the 2017, 2018 highs, buy as much as you want.
3: Yeah. Like,
4: you know, to the point where in this particular instance, I think that there's an overwhelming amount of opportunity cost to not own any, right? Because we, it's the unknown unknowns of what this is going to look like 3, 5, 10 years from now. 10
2: years from now, So yeah. I
4: think that there is an inherent unlimited upside. I have no idea, but there's definitely a lot more upside in Bitcoin and Ethereum from a, just from a bigger picture asset class standpoint than say a utility stock that's making new all-time highs. I'm not going to say oh, if you don't own this water company, you know, you're really missing out. Like, you might miss out in a little bit, but it's not going to change yeah. your life. And something like this, if this turns into something larger and you don't have a piece, like, you're essentially short.
2: You're going right? to, yeah, you're going to FOMO. You,
4: you know, it's, it's just not a good situation. So regardless of whether that was the case or not, I still like it long against the former cycle's highs, but I think there's an inherent additional risk of not owning any um, in this particular asset class. So for me, it's very simple. We're above those former highs. I'm in very aggressively so. And if we're not, there's a bigger problem and I want nothing to do with the asset class.
2: Yeah, I just put on a 1618 after the um, all-time high. That has it at 110,106. So yeah, if you miss out from the 20s or 27,000, it goes to 110. I think some people are going to pull their hair out. So, but it, it goes back to that. Point of once you know the direction of an asset just to be long, it for a long period of time, and I always recommend five to 10 years. Is there like a holding period that you prefer or recommend, or that you tell your investors to hold on to an asset? You
4: no, know, I, I think everybody has different time horizons, right? And the beauty of technical analysis is that you can incorporate multiple time horizons, right? That's very so true. You start with a longer term view, and then you, you, focus in on shorter term time horizons. It's both. It's multiple time horizons. It's not like, Oh, only look at daily charts. Only look at weekly. You start with the monthly, you start with longer term charts. zoom out, whenever in doubt zoom out and then focus in and drill down into what's happening over a three to nine month period for more tactical opportunities. If you're like a day trader, then your daily charts are going to be your long-term charts and your 10 minute charts are going to be your more tactical charts. Me personally, I look at weekly and monthly charts for yep. structural perspective, and I look at the daily charts for tactical opportunities. If you're a longer-term investor, maybe you look at monthly or quarterly charts to look out longer-term, and maybe your weekly charts are more tactical. So it's it it really is first identify your time horizon, mm-hmm. and then, right? And then act accordingly. Don't just, you know, be, what do they call that? Uh, When you're always changing your strategy around, uh,
1: Stupid. No. stupid
4: yes actually yes yes <laughs> for lack of a better
1: word yes um jc this has been amazing thank you for your time um definitely have to come back we need to make yes a please a, a segment segment that's um, my guy i love jc yeah for sure we Appreciate definitely it make guys a segment how um yeah talk about all-star charts and any information that you want to give the public before before you head out
4: You know, uh, All-Star Charts is a a research platform where we provide, you know, what you see here, uh, analysis from the top-down perspective. You know, we we treat stocks as an asset class, not just a U.S. thing or anything like that, because we have the ability in America and in other countries as well to invest in a lot of stocks that trade right on the New York Stock Exchange. Mm -hmm. But what does it matter what city around the world they're from? It could be from Texas. It could be from Amsterdam. It could be from India. Who cares? It's really just letters and math, and there's a time and a place for everything, right? So it's important to incorporate precious metals and energy and interest rates, which we didn't talk about, and currency markets. As you could tell here, you know, the U.S. dollar and Bitcoin, they are inverse to one another. As the dollar goes down, Bitcoin goes up. So yeah. If you're a Bitcoin investor, you're not looking at the dollar index. You're missing out on very valuable information. Same thing so with the stock it. market. So uh, shoot me an email, info at allstarcharched.com. We'll put you on the uh, free chart of the day uh, list so you start getting our content happy to shoot it over to you any questions you guys have shoot it over info at allstarcharts.com i'm always around
1: thank you appreciate it
2: thank you and i appreciate you so much i can't wait to have you back soon and keep putting out those hot takes i know that the opinions are always popular but they pan out to be true
4: <laughs> listen if all my opinions were super popular and everyone always agreed with me then i'd probably be wrong a lot more
2: <laughs> what, what what's the most um spicy or unpopular opinion that you've given recently?
4: I mean, I've been talking about this bull market since the summer. Yeah, i think I'm crazy. Yeah. Stocks keep going up. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I'm the crazy one. <laughs> stocks have <laughs> going up for 10 months. You keep telling me it's a bear market. I'm the crazy one. All right.
2: Yeah, now it's like well, from 1069. It's at 13,055 right now. Like
4: stocks are absolutely ripping. We're in one of the most uh, uh, bullish raging bull markets I have ever seen in my life and people are asking me when the bear market's gonna end
2: everyone can read charts but you did help tonight so I appreciate you on so much something.
4: <laughs> appreciate it guys adios all
0: right thank you thank you
2: study the markets internationally long-term trend two tech two index whole long period of time CAC 40 go study everything internationally I
0: keep telling you that was a. Uh... That was a master class. Yeah, for absolutely. Sure. That was a master
1: class. A lot sure. of yeah. a lot of great information. That's Make a run sure that you run it back. Make sure you take advantage of it. Um, yeah. Think outside the box for sure. Yeah, that was a lot. That was a lot. Very, very good information for sure. For sure.
2: Speaking of amazing information, get your tickets to Invest Fest. Where else can you learn from one of the top media moguls of all time and Diddy, then Robert Smith, and have 19 Keys and EYL and Mike Novogratz, which is a billionaire? Like, if you've ever been to a con, let me just talk. If you've ever been to a conference, no one has been able to put this lineup together. Shout out to everybody! I love Lewis House, Tim Fair. They have not been able to do this. No, they haven't. This is Ian.
0: He
1: ain't lying. But this has
2: never been done. What?
1: Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. Don't take greatness for
0: granted, please. Don't
2: take this for granted. Appreciate
0: the time. Appreciate this moment in time. Don't take this moment in history. Yes, man. Can we do something real quick? Absolutely. It's a big earnings week, so I'm gonna go uh, with some companies that are reporting earnings. Okay, you could just say yeah if you like it or not how's that okay Okay. that's perfect all right man so i mean again it's a huge earnings week uh tomorrow tomorrow we got ups i i like ups long term i definitely do i
2: don't know if the earnings will do well but i do like them long term um so yes
0: ups is a yes i I don't think i'm gonna have to get okay on this one microsoft will be reporting tomorrow I think, I think we're, a, we're, we're I think we're pretty clear worst on worst company our... of this decade. <laughs> <laughs> pretty clear <laughs> well, on Alphabet. The of Microsoft Microsoft.
2: Will be great, yeah, uh, Alphabet.
0: Alphabet will be reporting as well. The parent company uh,
2: I think they'll be fine. They have some more work to do. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm concerned because they haven't hit. I mean, their last all time high was in February of this of last year. Um. So hopefully the earnings will come out good. I'm a little bit worried about them, but long term they'll be great. Uh Visa. Um, I actually like Visa. Um, Visa and American Express, especially during times of like a pullback or a recession, typically does pretty well. If I go look at the chart, um, Visa's been on a run since pretty much 2011.
0: They have not slowed down, so I think they'll do great. Love Visa. I'll put that in my love category. Chipotle also reports tomorrow. all. Just thoughts. Amazing.
2: Uh, I actually went yesterday for the first time in like in person in like a year and the line was still out the door. I thought it was like one of y'all after parties.
1: <laughs> <I had to laughs> wait for a little
2: second. So they'll do good. Um, they are a little bit higher than I like them to be right
0: now, but they may pull back a little bit. But I think Chipotle will be fine. That's a big. That's just that's just Tuesday, Wednesday. We got Meta.
2: Um, stay tuned.
0: Stay tuned. I'm okay, I'm gonna put one of my favorites um, during the pandemic. And it's still performing relatively well. Thermo Fisher.
2: We haven't talked about TMO in a while. Um, I still like uh, Thermo Fisher long-term. I don't know if the earnings will be great, but I do. If I can get it back down to like 4 I would definitely love to buy it there. But like 4 to five ten is a great long-term buy. If you look at it since inception, uh, 1987 was at $2.97. If you come to more recent time, in 2014, it was at 104. So it went from one hundred four to five seventy. That's a five x return.
0: Amazing. Hold for long term. All right, let's uh, service now. And uh, Boeing are also reporting, uh, but I'm gonna go to Thursday. I'm gonna go to Thursday. All right, Amazon is reporting on Thursday.
2: Still like it long term. Um, I don't know if the earnings will be good though. Uh, Amazon is another company like Tesla. I think they need they need to bring Bezos back, maybe for a year or two until we get out of this recession. I think they need a little bit more innovation and then the profit margins are a little bit too tight. Um, I do like them long term, but I'm I am concerned about how this earnings is gonna pan out.
0: I'm gonna throw a semi in there right now. Thursday, Intel will be reporting.
2: We have any meetings coming up with Intel?
0: <laughs> Not on the calendar
2: as of Not yet. Not on the calendar. Um I'm I'm worried. I'm worried about this one. This one may may wet the bed. So um <laughs> They're, they're like all-time highs in two thousand. It's been a minute 75, 83 They had a great run the last few years. I just don't see Intel. Like reminds me of like a, a player who's like in his last year in a league, and he has like two games where he scores like twenty and twenty-five, and it's like, oh, he's back. It's like, no, his back is going to go out. No, so Intel, I don't like more than
0: you're giving uh, Intel the Yodanis Haslam. Okay, no, Shout. I would never. Shout to UD. Shout out to UD. Yes. Miami legend. Yes. Um, okay. All right. Uh, MasterCard. Card. We said Visa. Let's talk about MasterCard.
2: Uh, MasterCard, I like as well. Visa, MasterCard, American Express. If I have to pick, I'm going Visa for sure. Yeah. Uh, but MasterCard, I do like as well.
0: Yeah. If I had to choose two, I'm going Visa and American Express. But MasterCard, yeah. it's on the like list. Exxon. And then we just spoke about energy. Uh, Friday, Exxon and Chevron both will be reporting. Uh, Exxon. Exxon is a pretty
2: impressed right now, man. Like, the earnings should be great. Um, Chevron is what CBX, yeah. I I would pick Exxon for sure over Chevron. Chevron is definitely pushing up as well. They should get to maybe one eighty nine sixty eight by end of year, and who knows, even maybe even by summer, if those prices continue to go up. Uh, even going back to MasterCard, really quick, if you're looking at long term trend, really fascinating. Um, since
3: 2009,
2: oh, go back to 2009, they were at $20.29 They're at $374 now. MasterCard technically has not had a bad year since 2010. And especially as consumer spending goes up internationally um, and they're solidifying more banking relationships, Visa, MasterCard, and American Express are all going to continue to like print money, hand over
1: So, yeah, we'll hold it, all those for long term. There you have it. There you yeah. have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another glorious episode of Market Mondays in yes. the book. Oh, man, so much information. You guys definitely need to go back and watch it a few times. Yes, watch it three um, times. A lot of takeaways, a lot of information for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of them ones, one of them ones. As yeah. as always, Market Mondays legendary run continues. Chicago and Ghana dates will be announced soon. Okay. God willing, working on this. Yep. Um, get your tickets for London. That's going to be an amazing experience. Can't wait yes. for that. Can't wait to get back out there. Um so 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 much and uh, Tank won as I expected he um, did call I thought he was, I thought I knew he was going to get stopped I thought it was going to be an 8 he got stopped in 7 but um, I knew he was going to get stopped I didn't think he was going to get knocked out Cole he ended up um quitting but shout out to Ryan Garcia good dude yeah. seems like a good guy yeah. but um, you know when them punches come it's just it's punishment it's yeah. a thing called punishment yeah. And how much punishment can you take? It's, it's difficult to take punishment yeah. for
0: it, It's tough. Um, and yeah, so, for the average fan who's watched it, probably, I mean, I got the call like, what just happened? How, how do you get, if you've ever been hit uh, as a boxer in your liver, that's one of them kill shots, right? And your liver or your kidney knocks your wind out. You're almost like paralyzing. So, yeah. he got hit like that. What's interesting, if you go to his Instagram, he knocked somebody out the same way. And then the first time I ever saw it was Oscar De La Hoya getting hit like that. We were watching yeah. it our pay per view like in two thousand eight. I'm like, what? What just happened? And then that was like, oh, he got hit with the kidney shot. Yeah, like, I mean, it, for the count,
1: it's pretty common in boxing. Um, yeah. Rib dinners, um, fifty percent discount. Um, oh, <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> but you gotta
1: take more,
0: boy. Take it hard too, man. Down to Leonard Ellerby. We gotta, I had a quick conversation with him, man. That I'm is fire. Leonard LV is a legend, man. And uh, shout
1: out to Floyd, he was there with 37 shout- chains on.
0: Oh, yeah, he was <laughs> to Floyd. We out sh- to Michael shout- B. Jordan. Shout out to Al Heyman. Shout, shout out to-, to Al Heyman. Shout out Al- to Al. Oh, wow. We know we, we, we didn't run it to Al, but PVC Boxing is owned by oh, Al, yeah. which put on
1: the event. So shout out to him and Floyd, who was a co owner in that. And yeah, we met, and we, shout we, we to- met Creed. We shout out to Creed. Shout out to our friends, Al. Harrington, who, yes. who, who will oh, yeah. be at in Best Fest. Yes. Uh, yes. Viola, um, he was there at the fight. Uh, Steven Jackson got to debate some sports with him. Yep. He well, was interesting. Sports. Yeah. I mean,
0: Matt was so, there. Matt Barnes, all of the NBA. You know who's guys. sitting in front of us, Ian? Outside of, of the JD and Ashanti? Uh And Nelly? Uh, Conor McGregor. Was Conor he? Conor McGregor was lit. Yeah, he was lit. He, now, Conor McGregor. He had- he had his own spirits and he was passing it back and forth he, to uh Odell Beckham. He, Odell Beckham said I had a cup, but then
1: he said, nah, no cup. He came with Straight the, the bottle. To the he, came with the bottle. <laughs> he was on He was lit. He was on one. <laughs> he also uh um, there was a Mexican record executive.
0: Yeah, yeah we ended yeah, up yeah, it, 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 yeah. shout
1: out to him. Shout out to yeah. him.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah we uh, getting Jimmy, up. Jimmy Humble.
1: But yeah, uh um, shout out to 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 Tank and shout out to Ryan Garcia. It's it's they're very difficult to go into a fight and fight somebody. Um, you know that's not easy. So we, uh, you know, as fans, we watch it. We pick we pick people apart, but yeah. just for, just for entertainment purposes, I think that they both you know tried their best. Um, it just I think that Ryan Garcia was not seasoned enough. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think I don't think that he actually deserved that fight. To be honest with you, I think that um, it was made for the hype internet. But um, he, he's not he's not on tank's well, caliber caliber yeah and and it showed yeah and and he was humble in defeat well you have to. yeah no yeah you know, mine you know yeah. what else
0: how can you people, some, some people spin it some people yeah. are humble in defeat he got stopped how can yeah, you some people humble. are humble in defeat and and blame a lot of things that happened but he was humble in defeat.
1: well they did mention the mole they had a mole in his camp well Leonard Ellaby said that Wait, first, what? Really? and he, and then he confirmed you, it. You didn't hear about that? Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, they had a mole. They, they said so the they, they, they said, said
0: that they've been tracking him in his camp, they, so they know everything that he's doing, every how he's going to fight, how he's going to attack the fight. They said, and he said, "There's a mole." And he's like, hey, there "Ain't no effing mole." He's like, "Yo, the mole's
1: inside your camp." That was at the press conference, but you no, know, but he confirmed that there was a mole after the after fight. the fight. He said it was, it was very disappointing to find out that he had a mole in his camp. <laughs> Oh, yo, man! This is, you gotta win by any means, man. So, we know what you're doing. It's it's it's. <laughs> it's, 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 hey, when it's you are the A like side keeping of the fight. Small. You do what it takes, man. When you're well, yeah. The Listen, laws, you
0: Yeah, let's see
1: Send the send, send the informant. Hydration clauses and all that. We the ace side. the informant. They sent the informant in the camp. Donnie Brown's The
2: team Everybody. I was talking to somebody about this uh, last week on Stock Club call. They're like, man, y'all moving so lean. I'm like, only the killers got to be on the squad. That's why I put
1: on Instagram, man. Only oh, the family, man. shout out the <laughs> dirt. Only the family, only the family, man. Boy, it's too many. It's too many uh, moles out here. It's a That's lot of moles. Crazy. It's a lot of moles, man. And the
2: crazy part, Ryan probably paid to do well. Yeah, I don't That's know. The he's
1: crazy doing. part. No, you never know,
0: man. Yeah, you never know, man. You never know. I know you gonna liable, you're liable to see me with Shotty. Every treason.
1: everybody else. Treason is the worst crime that you can commit. Yeah. Don't 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 be committed of
0: treason. Yeah. Shout out to shout to Bam. Shout out to Bam. He was out there with us. Shout
1: yeah. out to Job. You know, even now to this day, um, treason is a crime punishable by death by in um, some parts um, of the world. In America. By death, is Yes. Uh, it's in a, it's in a decree. That's I remember one, that's, that's one of the biggest crimes that you can ever do. Don't yeah. be a treason. Don't, don't, don't be a traitor.
0: Don't perform treason, please. Thank you. Shout yo out to the fitness host, vibes, Takashi.
1: <laughs> in the sauna, boy. In the sauna. Well, catch you in the sauna. On that note, yo man, get, get the tickets to InvestFest. Please pull up, pull up, pull up, pull up. <laughs> yeah.
0: August twenty fifth through the twenty seventh investfest.com It is going to be a weekend like no other we yes. we've spoken to a lot of people that are in the city of atlanta and they are looking forward to us coming and figuring out how they can take part so make sure that you go to investfest.com if you're a business that wants to be a part of the event get your the, get, get your vendor it. marketplace uh boost yes. now do that now do that now do that now yeah. we're looking forward to seeing everybody and you never know who's going to walk through that. Vendor city market.
1: of Atlanta. What's the what's the man's name? Andrew Dickens. Andrew Dickens. Why why have we not had a meeting yet? A I'm, follow up. I, I'm oh, with him. I, I'm confused. Yeah. We we have an event that is one of the biggest events that your city has ever seen, and we're bringing billionaires every single year. Not since Freaking. And we're bringing probably over a hundred million dollars into this economy over the course of two years. We, we, we have. Sure. Get your plane that. tickets early. And this is crazy. Let me just finish. Yeah. yeah. This. So I'm just confused. Um, it doesn't have to be in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and you, there's black politicians that's run the city. It's as a, a very large black population. We would like it to be in Atlanta. Invest us Idaho next year. If, but let's just be honest. If this was X Y Z rapper or X Y Z basketball player that that that, that did this event, or Good. if it was Rolling Loud if it was rolling loud it would be rolling out the red carpet they would have press conferences they would have special security and they would have discounts on hotels and they would do all kinds of stuff but it's for entrepreneurship and we have we have received no information or no help from the local government not that we need it but it's beneficial and it's it, it it is a precedent for it because they Always, they, they do it for any other event, any any type of music festival. This is a precedent. Like when Coachella comes to California, like they're laying out the red carpet. Rolling Loud goes to Miami, New York. Like this special, uh, and then Rolling Loud left New York because it was too difficult, right? Yeah. So Invest Fest is in Atlanta, but it doesn't have it doesn't have to be in Atlanta. No, that's what I now just saying the trajectory of the city, right?
0: So. Everybody's bringing up the events that happened in the '90s, which is all right. That that was one representation of the city. But why wouldn't you want to be attached to this new representation of the city, where you're highlighting business, you're highlighting entrepreneurs, you're highlighting business, right? This is the future of your city, and these are people who are coming, who some of them have never been to your city before. This is a, this is the, the a weekend that can highlight people that can now attract new people, attract new businesses. It's a disservice to your city or, if you don't or, get involved.
1: Or it's called a re-election. It's, or called, the, it's called a contender. Or it's called a relocation. It's called a contender. Both can happen, too. Or it's <laughs> called a relocation.
2: <laughs> so, your look, choice. Politicians, if you need support, you can't just ask for support during your election year. And going back to that chart JC put up, you need to probably go back to that two-year cycle when you're in <laughs> to build relationships. We're on
0: the three-year cycle of this term. <laughs> in you real time,
2: me? yeah, you're in year three. It's like, those votes will matter
0: it could be a re-up or it could be a relocation it's just a matter of, of choice i digress yes <sighs> political parties i didn't shout out the rugs rugs what's good boy My dog. all right oh, wait, you know what you know what we didn't do just, just really quickly shout out to the entire city of las vegas we got so much love um, out there this weekend. It was incredible. It was overwhelming and outp- the outpouring level of support from everybody that we just ran into, just randomly, man. It's, it's, I don't, it's, it was one of those things. It felt like Oakland a little yeah, bit when we just, everywhere every, every every we walked, it was like, yo, oh, I love y'all. There's a lot of people here, but I'm so happy that I ran into y'all, man. So shout out to everybody. Even if you weren't from Las Vegas, if you were at the event and you saw us and you
1: showed love, man. A lot of a Purchase. lot of a lot of love for market Mondays. That's a fact. Yeah. A lot of people talk about Market Mondays everywhere we go. So thank you for everybody that checks out Market Mondays. Yeah, thank you for the support. Um, extremely humbling. And uh we don't take it for granted at all. So no. thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um and we see we'll see you guys soon. Um and you know, and that's another thing. Nobody's I don't like the entitlement of people that feel like they're entitled to be at an event or they should be on a lineup or whatever. Like so many different people have commented about like, well, why, why am I not a speaker? Well, why, why should you be a speaker? Like, that's just like, if I don't understand it because you haven't extended your arm to us in any way, Mm -hmm. you haven't supported or championed us in any way but you want a free, you want a free vendor booth and you, you're calling for 10 VIP tickets and you can't even repost a flyer. Like this, in, this entitlement has to stop. And it's, wow. it's, it's for our community. Like, just think about that. You're, you're, you're asking for free tickets. You're asking There's for something a, that's going to sell out. You're asking for a free vendor booth and you haven't reposted the flyer. You haven't even shown any support. And you order your first, your first request is how can I get something for free? Yeah. (laughs) Not how I, not how how can I add value? Not how can I connect the dots? Not how can I help? Not how can I volunteer? How can I get something for free? Because I should just get something for free because I know, I know who you are and you know who I am. Well, that's not how life works. It's really not. Yeah. Less than everything.
2: You can't take any, even for me, even though I do the show, even though I killed the last two years, I never take being on that stage for granted in no city, because I know the first time I have a bad show, finito. As an entrepreneur, you got to put up Ws every time. If you're not in a circle, you have to lead by helping first. Lead even a red panda. I very rarely ever go to him like, hey, buy anything. Let me help. 700 times 500 times then i ask for something hey how can i help what can i do that is the key please put that in chat the key to winning long term is to help first and not ask and the ones who do repost all the time we'll find with like shout out to Edwin and like the people who always are like super. Yo, cool. yo,
0: yo. yo moment, can we just up. have a moment to he's shout out a, Edwin? He's a legend. He's yo, actually, Edwin has probably put up three posts since we started this episode. Yo, Edwin, he's he's my, my brother. He's every event, a every <laughs> oh, no. event, every everything, everything. You know what, Edwin. Edwin, you've been upgraded to VIP. That's a fact. You've been upgraded. That's a VIP. fact. Edwin. You're out to the family. I'm a VIP. You're a VIP. You're out to the family. That's a guy. Are you meet and greet, man? He's a legend. He's actually a legend. This is, he's out of yeah. just different level, bro. Appreciate it.
2: Sharisha, who was at the LA show with us. So, like, if you help people remember it, but when it's time for like the big event, you Can't come at all if you ask me about how to get a vendor booth. I don't know info at earn your leisure. Like, <laughs> I, I'm trying to figure out how to know. build a transformer for it. I, I, or something like. <laughs> I, I hit man like, yo, what we doing for the booth? Everybody's trying to compete to have the best
0: booth. Like, yo, help first, help first. Shout <laughs> out to MG. So, yo, man, love is love, be good to each other. Go rewatch. I like
1: when show. you write, too. Take notes. Rants and, uh, rants and Gems. Rants and Jim's real estate podcast. Love is, love is love, man. Peace. Peace.
4: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering
4: professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you.